Okay, welcome to this, the seventh episode of the Northern Invasion podcast. So we've done away with our decimals and our confusing things because it was starting to get a bit much. Uh, But we'll just have um, consecutive episodes from now on and then just stick uh, in the the descriptions which month it is so people know. There's not been much on uh, for the past three weeks because I've been off grid. Um, having a little hobby reflection and putting my plans together for 2019. Uh, this is just going to be a brief episode uh, focusing mainly on the howling, but there will be a main show in a couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to do a preview show of the inaugural Northern Masters, and there's also going to be an episode focusing on AOS champions this month. Um, yeah, we're pleased to say that Play Fusion uh, this month's sponsors. And we've got some uh, some prizes from them to give away as well to our podcast patrons in our November draw. So um, this is me, Stu West. I'm joined as ever by um, Scott. Evening, gentlemen. Uh, Liam. Evening. And Nathan. Evening. So <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so we're going to keep this short and sweet, I suppose. Um, we have got interviews also with uh, with Mike um, Mike Callahan, who was the TO for uh, the Howling, and also with the winner. Um, so we're going to do some seamless um, editing. I'm going to use my uh, my multimedia skills to to do that, so you you won't even notice. Um, and uh, we're basically going to quickly go over our lists. Um, and just go round by round, I suppose, uh, who we fought, um, who we played against, and then any standout moments. We're not going to go uh, too in-depth. It is a couple of weeks ago now, so um, it may be a bit rusty in the brain. I'll just quickly give you my list um, so that people can see, uh, can can know what that is. So I went with Legion of the Night. Um, going from Realm of Fire, I had Manfred as my general with pinions i had neff with overwhelming dread i had my white king on his steed with the smoldering helm uh, two fives of wolves 40 skeletons five knights and four harbingers leaving me uh two extra command points um what about yourself scott uh, i was again with the nurgle um pretty much the same as uh, i took to face hammer a slight tweak but Great and clean one general um, with the blade and the bell, grandfather's blessing and endless gift, uh, Rotigus, Festus, um, Festus with Plague Squall, um, 30 Plague Bearers, 10 Plague Bearers, 10 Blight Kings and 6 drones and I painted up shackles for this and ditched my extra command point so I was bang on 2k for this one. Good stuff and uh, yourself Liam? Uh, I had my Stormcast, the same list from uh, the Face Hammer. I uh, had uh, Stormcast Eternals, uh, Hammers of Sigmar was my Stormhost. I had Gav Shorehart uh, as uh, Lord Arcanum on Griff Charger. He had the Le- uh, Lift Runner, which gives an extra D6 on the uh, Ride the Winds ability. Uh, Azurite Halo was his spell. I had the Knight Vexler, who had the Godforge Blade and the Pendant that can pick up a unit and redeploy it later in the game. I had a unit of 10 Evocators with 5 Grand Staves, a unit of 5 Evocators, a unit of 20 Sequiturs with Maces and Shields, 9 Great Maces in that unit, 2 units of 5 Judicators, each with the Champion having the Shock Bolt 
Bull, which is the D6 hits, uh, and then two units of 10 skinks, and two command points left, which gave me, uh, obviously, most of the time, the triumph and uh, the ability to start with plus two, uh, six on the charge from Gav. What about yourself then, Nathan? Uh, I had the Legion of Blood Court of Neulamia, um, so that's Neferata, uh, General, two Zombie Dragon Vampire Lords, one with the Dimensional Blade, one with the the Doppelbanger Cloak, <laughs> as I'm starting <laughs> to call it, and uh, the Bloodseeker Palanquin, uh, then two units of five dogs, ten zombies, and three extra command points. Stuff and before it, we were uh, obviously um, wanting to find out who had the best Neff, weren't we? And see who could uh, do the most damage with the old dagger. Uh, so let's see how things went. <laughs> <coughs> yeah. Uh, so round one, I had, um, uh, well, first of all, it was just, it's worth saying it was um, Blood and Glory for round one. Um, and it was in Realm of Fire. And the Realmscape feature was Boiling Geezers. So I had Lee Martin and his daughters a cane. Uh, basically, he was Hagnar from Ulgu. He had a Medusa as his general. Um, he had a Marathi, uh, three hags. Um, he had 20 sisters, blood sisters, two thirties of witches, and then two fives of heartrenders and some shackles. Um, so... He was bang on 2,000 points, uh, no extra command points, and plenty of drops. <clears throat> so I'd spent a lot of time thinking about this after things were drawn and uh, done quite a lot of prep. Um, and I'd thought about all the different ways I was going to play it, depending on deployment. And um, <clears throat> and uh, Lee did, and we discussed this, and, and he said it himself, but he, um, he misdeployed. So what he basically did was he spread himself a bit too thin, trying to con uh, try to control both his objectives from the beginning. And what that did was uh, it allowed uh, me to um, to come in and uh, use pinions, get Manfred up the board, bring the harbingers in, and take off thirty witches straight away. Isolate nice. one of the hags and um, take out the hag as well. So at the end of my turn, because I took it. I basically had taken his left flank, I'd got my Harbingers and Manfred lined up to steam down the line and everything else was sitting pretty defensive and it was looking good and and uh, Lee was kicking himself a bit for the deployment but he um uh he was obviously I think I think he'd he saw his he, he saw the mistake and um, well, he, he was very, very close to just going big with Marafi and steaming in and seeing what he could do. Um, but the geezers, he rolled the six um, straight away, uh, put it on Manfred, hit him with five or six mortal wounds straight away, which he saved none. Um, he also hit the... Did he hit the hab? No, no, it's just one unit, isn't it? Uh, so he hit that. And then he thought, well, I'll stay small. He stuck all his magic in, killed Manfred, um, which really changed the game, I think. So, and he said, if it weren't for that geezers, he'd have played completely different, and I were quite confident. So they did have a big impact on the game. Uh, I tried as best I could to get Neff into Marathi to, to 
give her a, a cheeky stab with the dagger of jet. Uh, but he wasn't having any of it. He was he was he was keeping her well away. It was really close in the end. Um, to be honest, for the last two turns, uh, well, um, in the bottom of three and the top of four, um, it was really close, and either of us could have won it on the roll of a dice based on uh, getting a long enough charge or run and there was no sort of character backup uh, but neither of us did and in the end uh, Lee won uh, minor by I think it was less than 200 kill points so it was really close in the end um, but yeah um, that left me on a minor loss so how about yourself Scott how did you fare? Um, so I was also up against daughters uh, this was John Craig um, and he didn't have Marathi appear us Slightly, um, slightly different daughter's list. Uh, so he had a blood rack shine, shrine as a general. He had slaughter queen on cauldron of blood, hag queen, um, and a cheeky little tide caster in there as an ally HQ. Um, and he then had ten blood sisters times two, uh, you know, just twenty witch elves, and then three units of heart renders um, and six Achillean called Ishley and Guard um, the defensive eels also as allies so a little bit different um, and I'd, I'd been thinking about this before this is actually a grudge that we had so I've been kind of um, trying to think of ways to to, to, to take this on with, with an Urgle um, obviously with half an eye on daughters myself but not this style of list if I'm honest um, so I was I was trying to think I'll, I'll just go defensive because I thought well he's going to probably come at me um, and I've got quite a lot of bodies. Maybe I can just try and spread out a bit and see, see how it goes. Anyway, of course, it's in Realm of Fire, so Infernal Blades is kind of whispering in my ear um, with with my flies and all, uh, some of the buffs I've got. So I, I think I got turn one in the end and um, kind of got carried away and launched the flies forward, <laughs> uh, which took off a unit of 10 sisters with, with the uh, Infernal Blades and kind of trapped the you know witch elves and i thought well if the fly is cool that's fine if it kind of slows him down then i can maybe spread out um but then i didn't i think it didn't quite go as well after that in the next turn or two they, they, they kind of fell down a little bit too quickly the flies um i didn't get the kind of mortal wounds going from from rogus and, and festus and then i made a really kind of i think the biggest mistake i made was um sort of mid-game i moved my 10 blight kings off my one of my back objectives, um, thinking I can maybe push up. And at, at one point, I think I can maybe get all four here and uh, get the major turn three or turn four, but um, didn't quite go that way. And uh, the, the three years of Heartwinders came down in the backfield, uh, and the Blake Kings were kind of caught in no man's land um, between his objective and mine. So it was a, that, that, that was a big mistake, but the the heartbreakers came down, and they're yeah they're the, 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 <laughs> spoiler they're they're pretty good <laughs> as, if, <laughs> as if no one knew. Um, that's the first time I played against them actually, so it was a nice uh, nice introduction to them. But uh, it actually turned out he got the major by a couple of models. Um, we ran slightly over, so it might give us a few more minutes. But um, I said to him, look. We need, we need to get this turn done because it's really important for, for well for John. I, I couldn't get the major obviously, but 
if we're going to play it equally, then uh, a few more minutes, we'll, we'll get this tied up. And um, sure enough, he, he, he captured them all by, I think it was like two plague bearers in the end or something. It was it was really close. That was that was with me getting. Uh, I think, I think I got twenty on from summoning as well to kind of help out. But the the heartrenders came swooping in and just uh, kind of slaughtered them basically. So anyway, good game. Uh, really really close towards the end um, in terms of how it was going to end. Um, but yeah, major loss for me, unfortunately. Game one. Oh, well. Um, what about yourself then, Liam? I played uh, young Will Pollock, unfortunately for him. Uh, there was obviously a, a pool of us for the event that was uh, we all chose to go up against, try and go up against the player, the winner of last year. So there was a pool of players. Uh, yourself, Stu, Lee, Martin was, I think, tossed in by Mike. Nathan and myself, and uh, obviously we're obviously trying to take down the hound from last year, sort of idea. But unfortunately, Steve uh, pulled out last minute, so obviously uh, I ended up getting uh, Will. His list was a uh, he was corn allegiance. He had a wrath of corn bloodthirster as his general. Uh, his trait was immense power and the artifact of death dealer. He had a slaughter priest with killing frenzy, another slaughter priest with killing frenzy, uh, scar blood wrath. A bloodmaster, herald of corn, a blood secretor, uh, and three units, three units of thirty blood letters, and the murder host. So obviously, a, a mini murder host only gets the move two d six before the start of the game, but obviously still quite powerful. Unfortunately for him, it just uh, the game went quite quickly. I think uh, after turn one, uh, I gave him. He was obviously lower drops than me, so he took turn one and spread himself out to try and obviously. As I talked through him, kind of bubbled me off of killing all three units of his blood letters on turn one. I could only then kill one. And he then, my turn one, he'd lost 60 blood letters and a hero. And then initiative went, he got the initiative, had a turn, not doing very much. And then the game was over at the end of my turn two. And so obviously he had no uh, no models left. He obviously had enough uh, points on the start of turn three was to bring obviously a new bloodthirster on and try and obviously uh, get some kill points uh, or stop me getting the major on turn three, but that was obviously not enough. And I just obviously took that off as well uh, quite quickly. Uh, just this army just was unfortunately a lot of points in heroes that don't do very much against my army because most of it, my good units are off the board. Uh, and it was just a very easy game, a very easy mission for my army to do of just sneaking onto the objectives, like with the skink units and that, and just having more models than him. Uh, his army has to obviously go into combat, where obviously evocators and sequiturs, as we know, all now excel a lot more than uh, for Stormcast than what their previous uh, options have been. Yeah. And that was it. Uh, 2,000 point kill points to... He got 60 in the end, I think. Yeah. It's a learning experience, but he's, he's getting better. And, you know, it's, mm. it's good to see him coming back and, and uh, well, so we talked about in the army. Yeah, we talked about it afterwards, and obviously what uh, he could have done differently. And as I said, I spoke to Nathan about it afterwards. His best idea would have been with just to bubble with one unit and then keep the rest inside that bubble. Because obviously none of my units can fly. He should just then sat pinned on one objective and just spread that bubble bigger 
until it was a point where it was taking up most of the board. And obviously just pushes my deep strikes further back. And obviously I can't then walk around them because obviously it's one unit of 30. He would then, uh, he would obviously then get to react with two units either by his blood type points, hopefully giving him enough or uh, being his turn next, he would have been able to control that a bit better. Uh, but I think it's just as well, I don't think he's played much of the first book of missions because I think he started playing last General's Handbook. Yeah. So I don't think he's played much of General's Handbook, well, the first General's Handbook missions, which are obviously a bit, a lot of, quite a few of them end on the term three, well, the start of term three, if uh, obviously your opponent holds objective, which is quite strong. That's right. How about yourself then, uh, Nathan? How did uh, your Neff do? Oh, really well. Um, so I was playing against Paul in my first game, uh, and his Blight Cyst, uh, Paul Duduka. It's actually the first time that I've played him, and I'd heard good things. I'd been able to watch one of his games that he had at an event that we ran in May, and he seemed like a, a really switched on player. He actually ended up winning that event. So going into it, I knew that I wasn't. Uh, going into playing someone that didn't know what he was doing and I was worried about Blight Cyst as well. So Blight Cyst is, well his Blight Cyst was 10 Blight Kings and then 4 units of 5 Blight Kings or 3 mm-hmm. units of 5. I can't remember if it four was units, 3 4 units four. of 5 I think it is. Yeah, yeah. and then he had, uh, for, his ge- for his general he had a Great Unclean one. He had a Lord of Blights which has the command ability for uh, I think it's minus 1 to hit or something. Uh, I think he could get minus one to hit on the Blight Kings. Uh, he had a Sorcerer Lord, and I think that was it. A Harbinger of Decay, that was it. Yeah, so that makes out the formation. Uh, it's a two-drop army, so he was out-dropping my four drops. Um, and all the Blight Kings had Rend as well. So but the fact I'd only played two games with the dragons going into this. I was still kind of learning what to do. I didn't really know how to deploy. And I made a massive mistake on deployment, um, not realising that the Blight Kings were quite as fast as they were. Uh, yeah, I f- forgot they had cogs on his list. He for- he was unable to cast cogs turn one when he took turn one. He ran his ten Blight Kings right up the table. And the way that I'd deployed Neferata, she was only half screened off. And he was able to get a successful charge onto her. So right off the bat, Neferat hasn't got any minuses to hit. I thought he was just going to take her off. Um, had he got cogs off, he probably would have. Uh, but the fact he wasn't able to get any more than three in on the charge, I think it was. She took about five wounds and lived. Uh, my turn one, I buffed both the dragons up to Bejesus charged everything into the Ten Blight Kings, uh, killed the Ten Blight Kings outright, won the priority into turn two, flew one dragon up his left flank, looking at a unit of five Blight Kings, and another dragon into the middle of the table, uh, positioned the Bloodseeker Palanquin within range of one of his heroes, sniped that hero with the two dragon breaths, giving both the dragons plus one attack. Uh, They were all buffed up again. One dragon took out a unit of five on one flank, the other dragon and Neferata took out two units in the middle. Uh, going into turn three, all he had left on the table was a great unclean one and five Blight Kings. So 
yeah, pretty much tabled him really fast and was able to get the major win. There wasn't really anything he could do after turn one because Neferat had stacking negative one to hit. And it was just a, a case of the dragons just wrecking balling through the whole army. So yeah, it was uh, kind of nuts. I didn't get a dagger off with Neferat in that game, though. That was to come later. Uh, okay. So round two, we had Star Strike, and it was in Heish, and it, the uh, the Realmscape was Speed of Light, which was, um, I think, it, at the start of your hero phase, you roll a dice, and on a six, you can relocate a unit. Um, obviously, the nine away from uh, from an enemy. Um, but yeah, you just pick it up, redeploy it. And to be honest, I was... I was uh, struggling by this point. I'd had a a, a late night um, coming down on the boat and a few beers, uh, very little sleep, and I felt pretty rough. Um, the first game took a lot out of me because there was a lot of thinking, and it was it was quite it was a really good game against Lee, really challenging. Um, and yeah, I was I wasn't really on form for the day. I think I was all right against my opponents, but. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't do much interacting with other people. So apologies for people if I uh, if I seemed a bit distant. But I was uh, I was suffering. Um, so I was up against Martin Swaffield um, and his Night Haunt um, for game two. Um, so he had a uh, Knight of Shrouds on Steed um, as his general with Ruler of Spirit hosts, hosts and Pendant of the Fellwind. He had the the fake Mortark. Um, the lady um, who took umbrage to uh, Manfred repeatedly telling her that she wasn't a real Mortark and you know, <laughs> she, had a, she had a revenge later on in the game she was a spiteful lady um, there was a Guardian of Souls there with a Nightmare Lantern and Spirit Torment then a 40 Chain Rasp 20 Chain Rasp 5 Hex Race 2 Blade Geist uh, 10 Blade Geist Revenants uh, 15 of the same and it was a chain guard and a shroud guard and he had cogs and shackles so he had the two extra command points and he was 2000 on the nose um i again as i did with every game forgot my um triumphs even though i should have had one in each game um just because i'm daft and i don't normally use under costed forces this was a first for me um but i was pretty comfortable in this one i was chipping away at the characters i kind of realized that they were the linchpins so i started uh killing them off pretty early um and to be honest by the top of turn three i was pretty comfortable and i was thinking it was pretty much in the bag <laughs> and then um i was obviously totally not taken into account what this speed of light thing could do and um he rolled the six um redeployed a big unit onto a one of the the star strike objectives that was on the other side of the board that i couldn't really get across to um fast enough um and i couldn't shift his units um when i got the turn four priority and then he double turned me on four so i lost by it was either one or two points i think it was one um but it was that double turn that got me really again and well it's my own fault i should be um playing 
as though you're going to be double turned rather than that. But it all got a bit desperate, to be honest, when uh, when he redeployed that unit and I just hadn't seen it coming. And then to my own fault, and uh, Chalmers was there watching, it's obviously his club mate, and I saw I saw him sort of like looking terrified at one point. And I didn't quite get it. I, was, I wasn't on form. And then at the end, he said, <laughs> he just said, did you not realize you could have just used banishment? And I was like, oh, crikey. <laughs> you know, you like we're in Heish, uh, in Heish, so the banishment spell. Um, right enough, Neff. Neff was an absolute beast in the game. Uh, she went through everything pretty much. And uh, she was in range to have done banish on uh, on one of the units and cleared it off. Whether or not she'd have got it off, I don't know. Um, but right enough, I, I didn't even think about it. I was... I put too much prep into game one and yeah. But anyway, Martin was a really good opponent. He was great. Uh, he took my um, not being hundred percent with it really well. And I hope we get a rematch in future where I'm feeling a little bit better and, and uh, good on him for, for that. And I, I still maintain she's not a real, a real uh, Mortark, but she did, uh, she did do some, she got some kind of, thing where she just throws something what what does she do she's got some kind of like somebody cracked some vials and did some mortal wounds on yeah. someone and then she did something nasty and just killed manfred she, basically she lifts her veil doesn't she and uh, she's got yeah, a mortal wound output yeah mm. yeah well manfred didn't like it anyway so she uh she gave him <laughs> what for and and i think i realized at that point and I'll, I'll come to it at the end what i learned but yeah he's uh he's, he's actually a pretty good Good character and pretty good to play with. I think he's overcosted, um, but that re-rolling ones to hit and wound is is really good. And he's he's a bit of a beat stick in combat. He's, problem we've got with the Mortarks is they're pretty fragile. They're a bit of a, a glass armor. But I'll come on to that at the end. Uh, what about yourself then, Scott? Uh, so game two, I had Kev Lowe and his uh, filthy Stormcast list. Um, so he, he was running Hammers of Sigmar, Gavriel Shurhart, uh, Knight Azeros, three fives of Liberators, and then two f- times 15 Evocators. Um, comes to 1,700, so he topped up with six command points just to make it up to <laughs> a nice round number. Um, so that was... Uh, so you know what's coming with this. Uh, I've been watching him. He was next to me game one, actually, versus Andy, so I was kind of keeping half an eye when I could on that. But um yeah, so this is obviously Star Strike, but um yeah, Kev Kev just came at me. I, I kind of lined up fairly defensively, um tried to think of some way I could try and stop this coming. I didn't I didn't actually deploy my sort of screen very well in the end. Um and yeah, the in came the evocators, um the two times fifteen. Uh, with Sureheart and Azeroth just kind of floating behind just to help with some buffs. But <coughs> the uh, so the Evocators came in and pretty quickly deleted the flies. I don't think it was straight away because there's, there's quite a lot of wounds there, but um, certainly we may have got a double turn actually, maybe that's what it was. But the, the flies were the first to go anyway. But basically, I was tied back in my <laughs> almost at my, my baseline straight in combat. Um, the uh, Rot- Rotagus was on one side on the right, so he was he was actually doing a pr- pretty decent job of munching through one unit of fifteen. He was he was rolling pretty well. He's, when he does roll well in combat, he's he's pretty good. Um, 
But in the middle, the, the, the Blight Kings were slowly getting whittled down by mortal wounds from the Evacuers. There's, there's no, there's no defence there for them. Um, and and Sureheart was kind of clogging up some plague bearers on on the other side. And he's he's quite hard to shift actually, with a, especially with just plague bearers with nothing kind of no no, no special buffs or anything exciting. So uh, meanwhile, the the, the comets were landing, um, and if it was going to be favourable to me. It was going to have to be towards kind of Rodrigo's side, but lo and behold, it didn't kind of happen that way for me. Um, the the game was gone anyway. To be honest, it was it was he was straight in turn one and and munching through me. Um, so he, he did table me in the end, which was uh, pretty impressive. But I did get some points. I think I killed one unit of fifteen, um, and I got the Azeroth. So I, I, yeah, put up a reasonable fight. But in the end, it was it was only going to go one way, unfortunately. So. Fell down to a second major loss uh, out of two, so yeah, not great. Ah, oh, well, we were we were looking after one side of the uh, the arena, and <laughs> and uh, this pair uh, were obviously the balance to us. So, <laughs> how, how did it go for you, Liam? I played uh, John Craig, who Scott played what uh, game one. So that saves me explaining what our list is. Uh, I wasn't happy going to this matchup. I still haven't broken the crutch of beating a Daughters of Kane army yet. Uh, spoiler, uh, obviously, of this game. Um, I just went... He, de- he deployed really defensive. Uh, he has he had the two cauldrons, uh, his 20 daughters, uh, and the heroes in the middle, and then the un- two units of 10 snakes each side, and the six Ishan guard, kind of like as a barrier. And I just went balls deep, dropped... Uh, pretty much everything on top of them. I tried to use the shooting from the Judicators just to knock a couple of the Ishlid Guard down, because I know that they actually are really tanky and survivable. Uh, and I just couldn't reach anything else. If I could have reached the daughter unit, I would have probably shot at them just to try and obviously whittle them down. Uh, but when I went in uh, with the Evocators, I hit with them first. John and Craig's dice rolls were just too hot on the armor saves and the, uh, the Hagnar save, turn one. Uh, I think I threw one point at him. I threw him like 13 wounds after his... So he was got this was on him on these Hagnar save. And he saved like 11 out of 13 uh, on a 5-up. And I just... I, I, I just like shook my head and I was like, I can't... You, can, you can't do that against that. Uh, obviously, that's a level of luck. I just couldn't do anything. So I kind of... My army just bounced, uh, unfortunately, against him. Uh, there was a pivotal point game turn two for when my unit of sequiturs died. I was able to get the Hammer of Sigmar ability to roll the dice on a five up and get them back, which I did. He was obviously very shocked at that uh, happening, uh, but obviously it was no problem for him to pretty much wipe them down to one man again uh, on turn three, which uh, they just, uh, yeah, daughters at the moment, uh, not to sound like a broken record, daughters are just far too... Uh, strong at the moment. Uh, they just kind of have an answer for everything at the moment uh, within their book. They have the, probably the best. You know, I mean, they've got disgusting and resilient, but they have the ability to re-roll it built into their army as well. That is a prayer that can't be ignored. They have the ability to get immune to battle shock and the re-roll hits. The units on their own aren't great. The problem is, is when you just blend them all, or even just put two or three of them together, they just are a lot stronger than what most other armies can put on the board. But yeah, that was a it was a close game. 
it came down to these harp. He's, again, his heart renders were just spot on. They were one unit was able to just hold an objective off of me uh, for a turn, which he then got the middle objective on turn four off my Vexler. My Vexler died to his cauldron and one single Ishland guard that was left, and it went to a minor win to him because obviously he'd killed my entire army, but one uh, seven models. So, but again, he had very few models left. It's just the problem is the models he had were expensive because he still had he still had these heroes. So he still had the Tidecaster, the Hag, the Cauldron of Blood, the Bloodrack Shrine, a unit of Renders, which just holds, and the unit, the single Ishland Guard holding up more points. So it was over a thousand points still on the board between those. But that was it. That uh-huh. minor win to minor loss for me. What about yourself then, uh, Nathan? Game two? Yeah, uh, I had the absolute pleasure of playing Sean McEchnie's Chaos Dwarfs, the winner of our, or the one that we picked for Coolest Army. Um, and it was that. So he had Lord of Change, uh, Demon Smith, or whatever the kind of. Yeah, Demon Smith. Yeah, th- I think it's Demon Smith, yeah. And then he had. Uh, I'm not sure if he had any other heroes. He had uh, two Magna Cannons, 24 Kadai, and then three units of 10 Iron Sworn as his battle line. Um, I didn't know what any of his stuff did, <laughs> even though we kind of <laughs> talked about it, but uh, I'd played against him at Cry Havoc, where he had three Kadai. And they did nothing uh, in that game. Uh, 24 of them were quite scary, though. Um, <laughs> basically, they've got, what, like four wins each, reach three, um, D3 damage, five up ignoring rend. My army is meant to bounce off them, and it would have if it wasn't for Doppelganger Cloak. So turn one, we both played KJ. He had the reach. Uh, the comet wasn't down, so I wasn't willing to commit. Uh, turn two, the, I won the priority, and the comet had fallen dead center in the middle of the table. So I decided to pull the trigger, charged all four of the monsters into his front line. Um, was able to get the a couple of the Kadai units. I, I'd, I'd got them both tied into combat. Um, my plan was to wipe one of his screening units and then be able to pile in with one of the buffed up dragons so that I could start doing some damage. Didn't do quite as well as I thought I would. Um, and in his turn two, he just mortal wounded Neferat off. So Neferat had stacked three command, ability, uh, command points on minus three to hit at this point. So where I was quite comfortable, uh, the mortal wounds taking her off I honestly thought I just lost the game at that point. And then he just couldn't get through Doppelganger Cloak. The fact that all of his damage was tied up into two units and the Doppelganger Cloak was sitting right in the middle of them, it nullified half his army for the full game, uh, just based off of the number of activations that we had on each side. So one half of his army did nothing for five turns while I systematically just chewed through them with zombie dragons that were now re-rolling all hits because I didn't have Neferat to spend command points on. Um, yeah, so 
I thought that was Sean's moment. Me and Sean have played three times now. I've always had the cutting edge on lists against them, and I think this time he had the upper hand and just got caught out by the the doppelganger clock. It was a shame. Uh, he was obviously quite excited, and then uh, the doppelganger clock had its way with him. <laughs> yeah, I think it's worth us a maybe not this one, but um, in, uh, one episode coming up, having a bit of a chat about it as a an item because a few yeah. people don't really understand how it works and um i think you have to know how it plays to get the best out of it and um and i think maybe this is something we can do in in future ones but yeah it's definitely, definitely yeah. a strong strong piece of kit yeah right so two majors two and majors then, yeah. yeah round three we had the uh the good old relocation orb um now this was in um Shaish, was it Eternal War? Is it the yeah, Realm Eternal Peter? War plus one bravery? Yeah, for all units. Aye, that's the fella. So for this one, I had my clubmate, um, Eric, Eric Buse. Um, so we travelled what 250 <laughs> miles uh, to play each other in Sterling or whatever it is. Um, uh, Eric had his Slaves to Darkness, so he was from Shimon. He had a Chaos Lord on Manticore um, with a Rune Blade, another oh, a Sorcerer on Manticore, um, a Lord on Demonic Mount, uh, Sorcerer Lord, 30 Warriors with Shields, two Fives and Knights, and a Cursed Detin. Um, they were the Godsworn Champions of Ruin, and he had Cogs for that bit of speed. Um, it's quite a lot of quite a lot of wounds in there and stuff um this was quite late in the day and as i said we were we'd had a late night um we'd drunk quite a bit and at this point we realized we had a couple of cans left in the bag um <laughs> so we decided why not and uh so we the ale sent us opposite ways to be honest um i perked right up and it was like morning and poor eric sat down and it looked like it'd been up for three days at that point. Um, but the orb fell kindly for me. Um, you know, it's it's uh it's 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 big the roll, which way it goes. It came towards me. Um the slaves just lacked the punch to shift my army. Um so my skeletons pretty much held up his army for um two maybe three turns and one heroic skeleton was just i would not die past everything um holding up his knights and uh i think it was pretty demoralizing when the units were just respawning and i mean my tanky white king he went on her again that was all three games he didn't take a wound um i i used that build i talked about where i stick him on cover with the uh, in his own territory with the helm on so on four pluses i was kicking mortal wounds back um and that just wrecked armies um and it did it for pretty much every every uh game um people now having to attack um, they don't want to but they have to um so he was he was good and he was just holding up the army as well and supporting units he was using his uh Obviously, um, healing, and then the grave sites were healing things, and I mean, in the end, it was it was pretty, pretty one-sided. Um, 
But I know Eric's got plans to spice things up next year, so he'll not lack any punches next year. Um, But yeah, the slaves are... I think once she killed that big unit of that big unit of uh, of warriors, which is like a quarter of the army's points, um, not having any way to regenerate models is is massive at the moment. I think, and and unless you've got something that can, can clear what's in front of you, you've, you're going to struggle. So that was me finishing on a major win, a minor loss, and a major loss. Um. I suppose my, this was my first time out with Legion and Knight, uh, first games, uh, first time using Manfred. Uh, I was impressed with them, uh, but they do need a lot more thought than I'd given them. Um, the Mortarks, as I've said, I mean, they can be glass cannons. They fall apart to shooting. Luckily, I've not faced any. Uh, but what mortal wounds as well, as you said there, Nathan. Um, you throw mortal wounds at the six-up save, without any kind of re-roll, just doesn't cut it, really. They're pointed uh, the same as a 16-wound model. You know what I mean? Like, they, they should have more wounds or yeah. a 5-up save or something. Yeah, even if their death save was a 5-up. That's what helped. we were talking about, yeah, was that there's... Either that or they have a another save, another 5-up save for being death lords. Yeah, like they need Maybe the, the same armour the Morgasts wear, maybe. Because their dragons do have that armor, so, yeah. Well, they're yeah. absolutely right. I mean, I think slight repointing. Um, I know Neff's got a lot of benefits there, and Manfred's got Manfred's definitely overcosted, even though he's come down to what is he now four twenty. Um, and Neff he should still he should still they should not be over four hundred points. No, I mean I think three fifty for all for each of the three. I think Arkan potentially could could go up a little bit. Um, I think he it, needs to come up to like 340 because of how good he is with magic at the moment. He is just... Because yeah. again, if you do take him in Sacrament, he is at the same output as Nagash. All right, not spells, but he's still getting two spells off that he wants or free if you've got cogs on the board or... Yeah. He's still I getting think, the spells off that he wants. I think so. I think balance... I think about 350 for each. I've played a lot of games with these Mortarks. Now, probably more than most because most don't uh, don't don't play them as much. Um, Neff's probably a strong one, and I think that's the thing. You need to either avoid overexposure of them, or you need to use the debuffs. Um, the problem is, that, is for if, if her... If she gets hit in the FAQ to not being able to stack, she's not worth her 400 points. No, no. And that's... She never... You know, I've I've played her for a year now, and I could, you could never stack until very very recently. Um, and I think, I mean, you can do that and keep them alive that way with the debuffs. But I've found when I've been playing, it's it's not great fun for your opponents, and you can see in the faces Meh, they don't enjoy it. Well, yeah, you know, and I don't know. It's well, it, it depends on what you want out of the game, I suppose. And and I like. Yeah, I, I I struggle. I've struggled uh, since Legions and the Gash has come out to enjoy playing Death as much as I used to. Um, I used to like them before they uh, they got all tricksy. Um, the point is, prob- a lot of the armies you're still playing against don't have a book. That's no. normally the problem. Is they don't. You're versing, like you say, Eric there, who's got a Slave of Darkness army. He doesn't have a book. If you had a book, they would obviously you'd have access to things that. 
would be designed for this edition. Obviously, the four books that have been out this year are more designed for this this edition, yeah. which is what, again, is the armies that are getting, maybe not Nurgle as much, but the other three are getting really looked at under a magnifying glass and going, why is this so good? Why are they allowed to be so powerful? Yeah. But it's because, obviously, they're designed for the game well. Like you say, the free summoning that is pretty much in every book except the Deepkin, but Deepkin have a lot of tricksy rules that make them very difficult to deal with. Yeah. Like, they just alpha most things, but they have quite a good... Like, their scenery rules, like their uh, the boats and that are quite powerful. And yeah. I don't think so, but... I suppose I you can bring back the Thralls if you do a build that way, but it's probably if not... If you do have the Soul Render, yeah. He's not... The best option. But. So, what about yourself then, Scott? How was your last game, and did you have what were your thoughts to take away? What did you learn from it for your army? Um, well, game three, I was up against Chalmers, uh, which is cool. First of all, I played him, so that was good um, to get another new opponent. Um, so he was running his kind of mad slanesh list. That he'd, I think it's identical to what he took to face hammer, to be honest. So, this was um, he had Archeon. He had a Keeper of Secrets and a Herald on Exalted Secret Chariot. Um, and then he had a Herald on a normal Secret Chariot. And then for his uh, units in his army, he had one, two, three, four, five Secret Chariots of Slanesh and another Exalted uh, Secret Chariot. And then three Viring Guard. So kind of mad. Lots of medium and large base things and no troops, basically. So. Um, quite cool, quite quite interesting to see it. Um, so he, this again, okay. So we're talking about orb here. So first time I played it, um, it was yeah, it was interesting. It was he he basically uh, does what you do when you play against Nargon with Archeon and just <laughs> surge towards the tree <laughs> to try and get a nice turn one charge in, which I think he actually failed. Um, but he basically plonked Archeon in the middle of the board and. With, with the keeper secrets nearby to to help buff, um, and he just he just pushed. He, obviously, he wasn't he'd lost his first two games, so he wasn't exactly um, putting along on uh, you know in top gear. He was just I think wanting to have a have a good smash up, which uh, I kind of obliged um, and just just clogged up the middle with with my flies and my blight kings going for. For Archeon, which I thought might get lucky with, if if uh, with, with some buffs and if the if the Blight Kings happen to explode or whatever. But um, as it turns out, with the the with Archeon uh, buffed up and slanishified, uh, yeah, he kind of ground those two units down over over a few turns. So that was a quite a lot of wounds done. And in the meantime, he's he's racking up the lovely um, what they called uh, slanish. Oh, the depravity De- points. Depravity points, yeah. So he was keeping, <laughs> he was that that was going up and up. And he, he wasn't really giving a shit, to be honest. He was just uh, enjoying totaling it up. Um, and the orb, the orb moved um, into his kind of back diagonal side of the board, um, which he, he pounced on with his with his chariots that were milling around that side. So that was that's where they came into their own. Actually, was obviously they're quite quick. They're they're very soft actually the soft one the, the the little ones especially and um, even plague bearers were kind of taking them off fairly easily. Um, 
I, I had Rotigus marching down the kind of bottom, thinking he could maybe get into that area of the board. Um, and he chucked the Varangard into Rotigus, who they did a reasonable job at holding him up. I think he smashed him up in the end. Um, but the orb never really moved back towards my side, so I didn't really have much of it. You know, I, I, I was actually covering quite a lot of board space with the Nurgle, um, but the uh, the the order never came back towards my neck of the woods unfortunately and he he did use some of his points and brought on some more demonettes just to kind of uh, help babysit the orb and and keep me at arm's length if there was anything going to sneak through but no so unfortunately that was three three major losses for me which is uh, I was thinking Christ is that is that is that the first event I've been to that I've I've had th- three major I've not won a single game not even a minor win <laughs> so I was pretty. Uh, Pretty um, kind of down on that for for twenty four hours. Then I realised no, it happened before. I had the winter war last year, <laughs> <laughs> so they feel quite so bad. <laughs> You'll block it out in a few months. Don't worry <laughs> yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, force it down deeper and deeper. Um, Some heavy drinking the egg on, wash oh, away. Definitely. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was that was, that was bad. But takeaway messages. Um, I think I played three, you know, decent players. Three, three fairly decent list it wasn't like i was i was getting twatted about by by anything um i have decided to change the list for going forward for for you and get rid of the flies i've run the flies consistently since um what is it back in april or may really when i first used the list um so i think it's time for a change because they they make you go aggressive and it's doesn't really suit nurgle i don't think especially my list You, you can probably build it a bit more aggressive if you wanted to but the way i've got it and tend, what you tend to see i think especially with lots of plague bearers is it's not an aggressive list you, i think you're supposed to try and sit on things and frustrate people more so they're getting dropped and i'm adding in a second 30 of plague bearers basically and currently speak painting a, a lord of blights to try and just get some negative um extra you know negative to hit uh, modifiers in there so see how that goes um keep keep the two big Great and clean ones, and and some blight kings, and just we'll see how that goes, and get a command point back because mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I was running with no command points after 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 real, doing good things with it at face hammer, I stupidly got rid of it and tried something else. But hey ho, you live and learn. What item um, have you got in your list now? What item for for the great and clean one? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to try with her, Steve. You to, you try with her, Steve. If yeah, you're trying to. The problem for Nurgle you'll have is that you don't, after turn one, you're not going to actually have any command points. But you're probably going to want to try and put Lord of Blights onto both units or Great Unclean yeah. one and Lord of Blights. You might be better with the brooch from Hish. Oh, to try and get harvest them back? Yeah. yeah. Because otherwise you're not going to have anything to protect you for Battleshock or anything. Like you're always going to kind of want to have one in your kitty. Because otherwise you're just going to like you say, if if someone gets through them, you're normally going to lose the unit if they've hit it properly. Yeah, yeah. Which is what your army is designed not to do, and then you're going to heal it back up and... Pardon me. Yeah. That's a thought. Yeah, no, it's decent. Need, need to need to think how it goes. I need, I need to try and get some points on the board at Aegon, so... Uh, well, so we'll come to Aegon in a couple of minutes but um what about yourself then liam how was uh how was game three and what what did you take I away played with regards to McGuinness. uh i played against deep he had a deep can army had uh his Thuthan was his enclave 
and he was from the realm of Shayish. He had the Eidolon, the Aspect of the Storm, uh, with the Ethereal Amulet, uh, Soul Scryer, which is the one that takes units off the board and they can come on a board edge uh, any turn. Uh, his Tidecaster was a general, so obviously his plan, I think, was to obviously in most games was flip the tides and put it into a more aggressive uh, turn one. He had a Spellweaver as well with uh, for the ally, just obviously I'm guessing just to stop one spell per game that just goes, that's too powerful. Three units of 10 for alls. Uh, two units and uh, one unit and nine Morsar Guard, one unit is six. Five Canary Heart Renders, uh, which put him at 2,000 points. Uh, he dropped. I'm just counting, sorry. One, two, three, four. I dropped quicker than him and I gave him turn one because I know in relocation orb it's more beneficial to go second, obviously, because you get the three points turn one. Uh, he, I think he Phil read the uh, mission wrong, so didn't think you could score turn one like Escalation is. So he didn't put anything on the objective turn one, so he got no points turn one. He deployed his Frawls and he's tidecasting that pretty badly. So then when it came to my turn one, I just looked and was like, put down a measure and took obviously the tool and went, your tidecast is within three inches at the front of that, uh, where that gap is in your Frawls. So when I go in with the... Uh, the evocators, I'll just take it off with the mortal wounds, which was my plan because I need to get rid of the tidecaster because it's minus one to hit spell is quite deafening to stormcast, even still. And also, it was it's a 20 uh counts as 20 models on the objective in case it did fly into his board edge. Uh, we then quite I took off all 30 frawls on the charge with the 10 evocators, five evocators, and 20 sequitors. I just charged it all in and just took off the 30 frawls. And he's tied caster with the storm explosion. Uh, and then obviously my Griff Charger just flew into the middle of the board, took the objective for the three points. Turn roll, he got it. And he had to take the turn, because if he didn't, he would have lost both his Eidolon and his Spellweaver. So he had to take the turn, which at that point, uh, I was like, I've won. Because the objective moved uh, towards me. Uh, towards so like where I would be standing it moved like 12 inches towards that side of the board uh, but I knew at that point I'd won because he could never give me a double turn from that point otherwise I'd just rack up the points even and he would never catch up because he missed the turn one one point turn two he'd get one point which he did with his heart renders uh, so then I was at six by the end of turn two but then we rolled and I still had, I had, I think I had two sequiturs, five sequiturs, and uh, Evocator holding up his uh, Morsar guard that charged me on turn two. He only, he lost, he's unit nine. He lost three and rolled a six for his Battleshock, so then lost another three, so he was down a three in that unit. And then his unit of six, he lost two, and then again rolled a five, so lost one in that unit. So he was both down to three uh Morsar guard in each unit, which obviously was just, that is their weakness. They do lose. Uh, quite quickly, uh, models. And as I said, it was just from that point, the way relocation orb was, I was like, I've won just due to me getting the option of who goes first because I forced him to take turn one. Even if he went for the point, he would have got the one point, but I would have automatically gotten the free turn two because otherwise you'd add to either put something on the board that he's going to lose, which he doesn't want to lose that unit. But like we say, and then I just, uh, so then turn three, 
he had to take the turn so that he could kill the last of my models. Otherwise, I would then just try and take off more of his stuff and or just claim the objective again. And then at that point, you just can't catch up because when you've had two turns, uh, three turn, like two turns of option, he has to. If he if he gives me a double turn, it still means I'd be going up to well seven on turn three, and he would only be at four at his highest, which then means he has to then allow me to get another double turn before you'd obviously get it. It's really annoying, which is just badly done with the mission. The one, the one to three is just too high. I think one to two, if they're going to look at that mission, one to two is maybe the better way to do it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what about yourself then? Uh, well, first of all, sorry, uh, Liam, is there, uh, is there anything in particular about the list that you would have changed or that you took away uh, from it after having a couple of tournaments with it? No, it's it's still a really strong list. I, I was speaking to Nathan about it, I definitely would probably add a castle in. I'd probably just drop the skinks. The skinks were only there because I thought there'd be more people doing the same sort of list and they're obviously just your shield wall to protect you. But not a lot of people are obviously going to the heavy alpha strikes the same. And other than that, it doesn't need it. The castling would allow the sequers to be more survivable, which in the game against John would have probably been better for him because then they'd be on like a free up armor, which means they ignore the rend from his uh, pardon me, mind razor, which was kind of the big thing. Uh, again, maybe trying to fit Klein's phalanx in it just to make it lower drops and get maybe that second item. Uh, other than that, just I was very unlucky against uh, John in, in that first turn and he was very lucky on his saves which set that game because if I as we looked at the table if it, if I'd killed my averages he would have lost all his Ishlingard one unit of 10 Blood Sisters and his 20 Witch Elves turn 1 on averages but I didn't, I killed British Lingard, six Blood Sisters uh, from one unit and one from the other unit. So just literally way less than what I should have been doing. Okay. Well, what about yourself then, Nathan? Final game. What did what did what did uh, the other Ness do? <laughs> uh, well, I was playing Adam Rossen and his Pestilence, so. Every single time Adam comes to Sterling, he always ends up playing me or Ross. And every time we go down <laughs> to Aegon, he ends up playing one of us as well. So uh, kept the tradition going. Uh, his list was Vermilord Corruptor, Plague Furnace, two Plague Priests, uh, Warp Knob Verminlord, three units of 40 Plague Monks, and the Plague Caw. He then had Congregation of Filth and the Cogs. So, yeah, I didn't know what any of his stuff did again. <laughs> it's two games in a row. Uh, Plague Monks have like a bunch of different banners that can buff the unit and make them do mortal wounds. So they've got like an acid blood thing, so that when you kill them, they've got a chance to do mortal wounds. Uh, when they hit you, they can then do extra rolls to have a chance of doing mortal wounds as well. And my army is quite susceptible to mortal wounds, even though I've got that 6 plus save. My wound count's quite low. So initially, 
I need to kill stuff in order to win the game because I've got a lot less models. But at the same time, I was worried that I would end up killing the stuff too fast, that I would end up killing myself. Um, in reality, it didn't really happen, though. Uh, I threw the doppelganger cloak onto the objective um, in the middle of the board, turn one, and then threw the other one up a flank into the side of his 40 plague monks. Um, was able to just start grinding them off. He only had one command point to start with, and so I basically did what I normally do and try and bleed that command point by causing wounds to multiple units. Um, failed the charge in the middle with the doppelganger cloak though, so I only had one in this turn. Um, the orb actually moved in really bad places for me this game, but it didn't really matter. It kept moving away from where the flank edge shows with my other zombie dragon. And the Warp Null Vermin Lord allows you to deploy another unit off the table with it. So he had that sort of flexibility to go wherever the, the orb went. But because I had taken it in the middle with the doppelganger cloak and he wasn't able to get enough bodies into the objective because of where it positioned everything else, he was forced to take the first turn every time or I gave it to him. So I was able to constantly react to wherever he went and he was only ever scoring one point for his efforts. Um, whereas I was able to get onto it, contest it, take it back and score three points turn after turn. Um, by, I think, the start of turn four, I'd pretty much taken everything off the table bar the, I think, one of the Plague Priests and I think one of his other units was almost done as well. So I was able to get a, a major victory and all the kill points again. Good show. Yeah. So, um, before we go through the... Uh, oh, yeah, and Neferata took the Corruptor off. <laughs> yeah, got <laughs> you, got the, you got the glory. I got it in the last and, um Before we go through the uh, where we where we finished and things, then what what about yourself with the list? Is there any, any takeaways on it or any changes you'd make? It's a very one-dimensional list. Um, it's just, it's not the dimension that people focus on. So, it's got two dragons, four behemoths, and it does a lot of damage. But it's more the it's more the artifacts that make it and it, its speed. Um, its ability to cast five spells a turn as well make it really strong in the realms. So there isn't really anything that you can change other than maybe an artifact or a spell on the list. The list is how it is. It can't can't really be altered. There's not a yeah, waiver of yeah. points really. You'd be it, just literally changing your dogs for zombies. Exactly, yeah. yeah nobody versa. wants to do that. <laughs> That's, no. Yeah, it's, it, it, it is a very one-dimensional list, but people often overcommit or undercommit to the dragons, and that that's where its strength is. It's the ability to have Doppelganger Cloak. There is that artifact in Legion of Blood that I'm strongly looking at, uh, Orb of Enchantment, which is almost like a second Doppelganger Cloak. Uh, it basically, once per game, at the start of the combat phase, you can make a hero do nothing, and they can't use any abilities either. So things like Marathi's Iron Heart that stops her taking more than three damage a turn. Uh, any spell that's on a war scroll, you could argue that that's an ability. Command abilities, allegiance abilities, it basically turns them all off for a turn. And when you've got the doppelganger cloak on another dragon, that could be quite useful. So that's maybe the only other change that I'm looking at. Hmm. 
yeah, it's a, certainly a strong list, and uh, yeah, and I think um, you we'd before the event, um, obviously Mike had got some uh, some pretty impressive prizes made up by by Gary over at Dark Fantastic Mills, and um, we'd seen the pictures, and and there was a a nice big dagger that looked like uh, yes. the old dagger of Jet, wasn't the? And we yeah. were, uh, I was saying to Mike that that should go to the best Neff. And um, and it did. Say, well, yeah, there you go. So, <laughs> so uh, in terms of the standings, then um, I haven't got the, the the table in front of me. Um, me and Scott are obviously uh, mid and mid table obscurity. And um, uh, by uh, mid, you mean the bottom what, what five for <laughs> me, uh, six? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, well, I think I was mid table obscurity. Two, I think okay. I think I was about sixteenth or something. You um, were eighteenth. Eighteenth. There you go. I can. I can hope. I'll aspire to sixteenth. I was thirty fourth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I mean, what was it? Thirty eight. So thirty eight. Yeah. Thirty eight. So ah, oh, there you go. I'm in the top half. Uh, <laughs> it could have been different. Um, I think. I think. Uh, the realms, and I'll I'll come on this in a minute. Um, but I think they they played a big part for me and. And obviously not being 100% switched on didn't help me. Um, but what about yourself, Liam? Where did you come? You top 10? Where were we? No. Uh, six, I think it was. Yeah, six, six, Liam, yeah. Yeah. And yourself, what was the, the dagger then, Nathan? Second. Second, Second place. place. Now this and was most kill points. It was. It was most kill points. And you were actually... You were tied, weren't you? But it was strength of schedule that that determined the winner at, at the event. Yep. So both of my opponents went on to lose uh, two games each. So my strength of schedule finished at 80. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think because Andy had played against Kevin yeah, and Kevin went on to win both his games, that was the difference. His strength of schedule was 20 higher. Yeah. So yeah, no, it was uh, it was very close, but I, if I'd won the hammer and came first, I would have asked to swap it for the dagger. <laughs> anyway, so I got <laughs> to be fair, we, we we did want that. So and you did earn it. I uh, I didn't have any. To be fair though, everything she went into, she killed. She was I was trying to use the damn dagger, and she was just killing everything. So I think people are scared to throw her in, but she's an absolute beast. Like, oh, she is. The I was in the claws, Rento in the staff. She hits on twos. She's yeah. she's really good. And with Manfred next to her, she's rerolling once um, yeah. to hit and wound, and she was doing immense stuff for me. And um, I was chasing Marathi all over the place. He was not <laughs> going near me, but it it really did make a difference um, with the big models when there's that one in six chance of just killing them. Yeah, um, people do really stay away the fear of it. And I was thinking there is a. A Legion of Sacrament, there's a, an artifact that's the same, isn't there? A one in six chance of just killing something, is it? Yeah, there is. Gem yeah. or something. And then you can also... I, I was looking at some some tasty lists the other day with um, three white kings with the black axes and <laughs> um, also having a, a necromancer with the, the gem. So you could basically, getting them in the right place, you... Uh, you can you can be getting three things into uh, a monster, and each of them on a six is going to kill it at the end if you do a wound. So there are some nice little cheap lists for 
out there for fun. The death uh, pick has loads of that. The problem is people gravitate to the kind of Nagash and 60 Grimgasts or something fairly standard, but the book yeah. has loads of things like that. Yeah, it's, it's really good book. a nice little thing. The only thing with those whites that sets them apart from, from Neff is that, um, I mean, you can get three of them for the price of her and have change, but the movement is nowhere yeah. near. That 16 movement... Um, is she moves 20 on my list. Well, yeah, there you go. She's fast. 20 is <laughs> yeah. slow. Twenty slow. <laughs> so, in terms of the event, uh, it was obviously a great venue, and food's always good, and atmosphere's good, and um, I like the strength of schedule being uh, one of the, uh, the the key things to decide. But I mean, myself, I'm still not a hundred percent convinced that the realms uh, and the realmscape stuff suited to tournaments. But I mean, I'm open to being convinced in a. Uh, through experience um i'll be interested to see if the faq maybe hints or makes it clear that they're optional in match play i mean if you read the general's handbook and you read the match play bit i mean there's no mention of the realms when you you're looking at selecting your armies and this that and the other and the way it always used to be with the core rule book the realms are there they're all down there but it was always optional i think gw mentioned it in how they would run a tournament section that was the yeah thing that pushed it wrong i I just (laughs) think think it's i'm with you Stu. i think Um, it's just i mean i'm happy with random i am and i like random stuff and i think that i mean i do it with my events i have things like random weather tables and stuff or and you know i think as a something that's characterful in its own right and you know what you're going to it can be nice for a change but i don't know if it should be the norm i think it just i don't know randomness all the way there all all the way throughout it it just changes the game a little bit i think from being a skill-based game to being something that well a roll of a dice can determine uh basically whether or not whether or not you've won and, and yeah I think I was listening to the Just Play guys and, and they were talking about the realms and the Shimon one where, you know, there's the one, is it the Reign of Metal or something? And yeah, you roll a dice and bloody hell, I mean, some of those, some of those, the <laughs> uh, devastating, that's not Age of Sigma, that's just, I don't know, it's like rock, paper, scissors almost. It's. I think the uh, idea but, they had with the realms was they wanted to close the gap between people that had access to loads of additional rules like the the new battle tomes and the ones that didn't but and that was my hope for it but it just looks like now the new Again, book has been able to just capitalize options. on it yeah there's too much gravitational options that everyone goes that's an automatic tick why would i not take that it's better than the items in the problem is well it's also better than some of the items in your own book the, obviously, the new storm hosts and Doc have them as well. Their covens and that. They try and force you to take an item and a trait. If the books go down that way in the future, even the uh, the great, the Bray Herds and that, they all have that as well, where yeah. they have to take certain items, which is the important thing. And that's hopefully what GW push in the future. They go, if you are a really themed army, you can't take items out of a realm. You have to go more down your own way. The randomness is a problem. Yeah. Uh, as long as this is their vision and it has only been what 
six months, no, not even six, like four months. Six and months, yeah. Four months. It's, like, it's four months. Like the FAQ is coming barely six months after its release. I think that we owe it to ourselves to just keep going with what yeah. their vision is and see what happens. But I agree, I'm I'm not a hundred percent behind it yet. No, um, but I will. I am open to being convinced, and you know, it's we also have only had I'll, one I'll army book since then, which is the the other thing. Because yeah. obviously, yeah, because we obviously thought we obviously thought there'd be more books by now, which would indulge more on this rules design that they've went for like where you'd expect to have like well when 40k dropped their new rules they got like five codexes within the first six months yeah i mean to obviously push this new rules we obviously had our codexes before the edition but that's a problem then that people have had these books for so long before the edition changed we're only seeing the lights of what's Good. Oh, sorry. We've actually had three books. You had the Stormcast and uh, Night Hunt on release, but neither of them that were FAQ'd to harsh. You know, I mean, like Gavril Shorehart survived the FAQ because they said, "Yeah, that's totally fine to stack plus free to charge." Maybe not seeing that that would be the go-to option uh, for Stormcast players. You know. What about yourself, Scott? And you know, you've you've played a couple now, haven't you? You've, you did the Face Hammer and you've done the. The howling and yeah, I'm I'm less negative about it than you guys. To be honest, I quite like I it. I love it. I love um, the realms. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I don't know if that came across there. Is that I love the realms. I think they're awesome. Uh, they, like you say, they do cause. The problem is, is I get more games than what you probably do, Stu, and probably even you, Scott. Oh, I yeah, probably definitely. get more games than you, so I get to practice with them more. Yeah, and actually yeah. get to have them, like. Yeah. If you if we both all came back and had ten games in each realm, and that obviously gives you each realmscape and plus one pretty much on most of them because it's what five, so you get each one twice. Yeah, I mean you'd maybe then get to again the problem like you say a lot of them are like oh your opponent rolled a six that killed a unit or your opponent rolled a six against you Stu in that realm of highish one where he got to free a free move. Yeah, you can't do anything about that. That happens, but again. Because you're not used to playing with that rule, you didn't think to block that from happening. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's my own mistake. I should have, I should have had board coverage to see just in case that happens. And mm. it's not like I was even playing the odds. It's just it it escaped me. So it's my own fault. But yeah, but I mean, I, uh, it's new still for me. And like you say, I don't play that many games, so I, I still will, I could be convinced. I don't know yet, though. I've, I think I need to play a few more events and. And see. You were saying, Scott, yeah. sorry, on your opinion on the realms. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I've only played, like you said, a few, well, basically two tournaments um, and maybe a couple of practice games, but I'm still, still getting to grips. I'm totally, I mean, there was, there was spells getting cast at me and, and I was looking to cast that I'd never really thought about before. But that's, again, you know, I don't I don't prep that much like, like you and uh, Nathan um, but just to get that variety, and, and, and it is a toolbox in, in there, particularly, mm. um, what was the realm we were in, game three? There was, that's death, isn't it? Death, yeah. It's death, yeah. There's, there's some, there's some cracking spells in there, like. Mm. And that's what we challenged to chuck each other, you know, like we, with, the, with the great and clean ones. I was chucking four or five spells out, he was chucking a few, and we, we were all going straight to the death spells, pretty much. So, you know, there's some good good stuff out there. 
it's definitely, I don't know if it's just my experience, but it's definitely been causing a bit of negative play experience. Like, in my game two against Sean, uh, I remembered about the command ability in the Realm of Light before him. Yeah. And because he'd, he hadn't considered that and I was about to use it against him, it kind of brought up those sort of, well, be, there's, there's always a thing, it's your knowledge versus my knowledge, but that definitely wasn't creating a good game for him if I'd went ahead and done that. Well, yeah, I had um, the conversation when I played John, because I asked Mike before how that situation goes down, because we spoke about this before the event. Yeah. How does that conversation go? It's your, it's your opponent's turn. You go, it's start your, your face, are you doing anything? And they go, no, I don't think so. And you go, okay, I'm going to spend a command point to go before you. And as we says, should they get that window to then stop you? Because mm-hmm. they, they're they not going to do anything until you've decided you're doing something, which in my opinion isn't, like you say, your knowledge versus theirs. Because they've not remembered it's a thing. Yeah, exactly. And it goes the same with spells as well. It goes with artifacts when you're building your list. Like if, if you're not as prepared, but you're quite experienced in the game, it's definitely going to cause those, like across the first three games of a five-game tournament or whatever, before you get to the sort of top tables, it's definitely going to annoy a few people, I think. Um, I don't know how long that's going to last, but I've definitely experienced it. And definitely that's one aspect I don't you're, like. You're definitely playing also one of the items that, like we say, like Stu was saying, about talking about the future, the doppelganger cloak does cause head scratches on its yeah. working. Yeah, I've not played against that yet. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's a it, good one. It, if, if you can understand what the words mean and then think about it... <laughs> yeah, that, that, what that, do the words say? What do the words say? <laughs> the problem is, you can't the attack is, them until they have attacked. It's essentially you've got, to, that. you've got to read how the core rules explain how combat works and then you read that rule and go, okay, that's it. That's the problem. A lot of folk are looking at what Doppelganger Cloak says and then just playing it as what it says rather than looking at how allocation of a combat works because a lot of folks think oh after you i can't i can't activate because there is no target but it's not that it's just if you're within three inches you have to you have to i'll choose that unit it can pile in its attack allocation can't target that model which means it can't attack it then misses it's it skips its go so it's no longer be able to be targeted your opponent obviously and you go backwards and forwards until there's no units left yeah. Doppelganger Cloak pretty much makes a big null and void for a target on the board, which, again, because it's still in the Vampire Lord Zombie Dragon, it's on a 100mm base model that just blocks up the board anyways. He's, like you say, he's going to tag three or four units. If you've got combat control and you have your turn, you've got five units, they've got four, they're never hitting your dragon, and you're happy. Yeah, it's just, there's there's... Obviously, that artifact, which is not, it's definitely annoying a lot of people, but it's it's a lot of the time, even when it comes to the command ability in the realms, the realmscape features, like if you've got that knowledge, it's just creating a bigger gap in the first few games is the problem that I think uh, the realms are currently causing. Because um, I, I like them. It is a toolbox, as you said, Scott. It's a toolbox that I can utilize very well, but it's... Uh, You've got to take them bad. into consideration yeah. when you're building your list. And that's the point. Like you say, you should pretty much be sitting with a Malin Sorcerer book beside you and go, which realm? What We're going to be playing in five realms at this event. There are seven realms. What's my chances of 
these free realms coming up, which my army are better in, sort of thing. You're going to automatically play one of them, but you might not play the others. Like, example, to be honest, fuck, a death chaos list in the realm of light is annoying because all of a sudden all the spells do extremely better damage against you. Yep. Or I found a... that in realm of light. Kill, that's yeah. what killed Nefra. Yeah. That's also. Spell. Yeah, that's what. Uh, when I played uh, John, he was just throwing out the realm of life spell out, doing d6 wounds, d6 mortal wounds against my skinks, and just taking off five or six skinks every time with their demons. Which is the downside of taking demons. That's why demons are bad. Again, is that then taking advantage of what's happening in the realm? Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you verse a demon army and all of a sudden you've got all these abilities that are better against demons, it's just the same argument that, like, Judicators have always had. Folk always didn't wonder why Judicators weren't more expensive when you verse a Chaos army, because they get real ones against Chaos. That's just a built-in ability that they, for some reason, were better against Chaos. All the Sacrosanct stuff now is better against Night Haunt and uh, Demon units. It's all these abilities that, like you say, that some people, again, will forget, but because obviously they don't use them in every single game, and they'll forget that they obviously are maybe better against chaos or better against demons. Uh, I've it's what I've done, and it's what a lot of people should do. Is on the TGA page there is uh, PDFs of all the spells and that onto cards. Go and give them a download. Either print them off like what I've done, and they're on Magic the Gathering size cards, so I can when I'm in my game, I can go through them and go. I'm in this realm. I've got the seven, six spells and the command ability, which are the important things to me. I can obviously try and remember the realmscape, but it's the command abilities and spells that will benefit me most. So that's what I need to remember I have access to in the game as well as my normal stuff. Yeah. Well, cheers for that, guys. It's uh, It's been good to, to go through the how in there. With, uh, as I say, there's interviews on here as well with... Uh, with Mike and with Andy, and it's good to chat to Andy after uh, his sabbatical, and it's yeah. great to see him come back and. Uh, and you mentioned that. <laughs> yeah, well, it, we did go through it with him, and uh, yeah, he's talked it through, and he's got it's a it's a good listen. So, um, yeah, you'll you'll catch that on here. It'll all be seamlessly edited together, as I've said. So, just very quickly, you're all away in the next couple of days to Agon. Um, not going to go heavily into your lists and things. Maybe just give us your uh, quick overview of, of what you've got. What what you're taking then, Scott? Yeah, kind of alluded to it there. So, Great and Clean One, Rotigus, Festus, the same uh, combo, and Lord, Lord of Blights. When I get him finished, um, thirty plague bearers, thirty plague bearers, five blight kings, five blight kings, and shackles and a command point. That's the current plan. So, ah, good luck. Um, what about yourself? What about yourself, Liam? You, it's a new list. It's a list I've been working on. Uh, me and Nathan have been talking about since September now, just after Face Hammer. We kind of put it together. It's kind of like close to what Ian O'Brien was running. He was running Death March. And I've kind of just taken Death March and made it one drop bigger. But I've taken Grimgas instead of heaps of Graveguard just because I don't want to paint Dirt Graveguard. Uh, it's very much my. Argument to it. So I've got Legion of Sacrament. I'm in the realm of Algu. I've got Vampire Lord and Zombie Dragon as my general. He's got the Lance, Shield, and Chalice as normal. His trait is Mastery of Death, 
which is the start hero phase. Every unit within six inches gets a three inch move. Can't move within three inches of enemy. Uh, Doppelganger Cloak is the item. Spell uh, for him is Vile Transference. I've got a Necromancer with Overwhelming Dread. I've got a White King with Tomb Blade on a Steed with the controversial item of Talisman of the Watcher. <laughs> nice. Uh, I like it. Uh, three units of ten skeletons with spears, five graveguard with great blades, fifteen black knights, thirty grim ghasts, the death for uh, death march formation in cogs. So I'm coming at nineteen thirty. What? Why uh, have I missed something? Why is it controversial? The talisman of the watcher. Oh, I'm glad you asked. You. Oh, this this is <laughs> this is, this is why I've I've been with my head in a hole like off grid. I've not even t- I didn't even take a watch with me when I went away. So. Yeah, everything's passed me by. Go on, tell us why. Rule as written, it has no end <laughs> at the moment. At the start of your, at the start of the com, the combat phase, you can uh, give a unit within nine inches of the bearer plus one. Uh, no, reroll save rolls of one. If he's not, in if three he's not within enemy. three inches of an enemy. Full stop. The end. That's it. No, no, until when or. Anything, and because it's in the combat phase, if you are the victim of an alpha strike, then you can give Mystic Shield to a unit. So it's not even just your combat. Yeah, so it's any combat. It's any phase. combat phase. So effectively, you can have ten units with Mystic Shield by the end of turn five if you meet the criteria. All five turns, oh, resulting in combat phases. Which yeah, is that... the really, really strong version of doing it. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's not how I've been playing it. The way I played it. <laughs> The way I've been playing it is that I can give it, give the ability to a unit and it stays with that unit until I choose to move it or my hero goes within three inches. That's how I've been playing it, which I feel is the more fluffy version of. So like pretty much is from turn one, I choose a unit. That unit now has reroll saves until either the hero's dead, he's not, he's in combat, or he wants to give that ability to someone else. Yeah, that's nice guy, player. Liam. I'd be giving it to every unit. That's how, I, that's how I've been playing it as well. I've been, I pretty much took it in every, every list I've been, been doing. So no, I, I'm with you there. But maybe I've just, not, maybe I should be more ruthless and have read it the other way. It's not being ruthless. It, unfortunately, it is reading. I, I was playing it before it was mentioned uh, in a WhatsApp chat of reading the way, uh, like you say, just reading the words. Uh, so I, I was playing it before that and was playing it as the obviously the same way I'm playing it now, just it happens and it stays until yeah. the hero dies. I didn't stack Aye. well not stack it but put it on ten units. But Yeah, I, that's that's a chance of really doing that, isn't it? That's that's it's yeah. not chancing it because the problem is is GW probably won't pick it up unless they listen to us. Hopefully they do because that's what we need our <laughs> listeners for. Uh, I'm sure all free stuff. Will. That's what I want. Free stuff, send it my way. I'll send, I'll send you my address. There we go. But <laughs> yes, that's the problem is that if you're going to go down to the board of tax, rule is written. That's what it says. Saying that it's anything else or playing it as uh, you're, a, you're a rule, a uh, torment component or changing it, anything else, it won't get it fixed because if all of a sudden it's in 20 lists because everyone's playing it as it affects 20 units in the game that's in my opinion is the better way of getting it fixed by gw because obviously they'll pick up on it that why all of a sudden is everyone from the realm of 
uh, shadow that has the Talisman the Watcher. Same idea with Doppelganger Cloak. Me and Nathan have talked and we don't think it'll survive the FAQ because, again, as it said, as me and Nathan were saying, it does cause a slight negative play in folk that don't fully understand. Slight. Just don't, not, not <laughs> don't understand. It's like, example happened with, pardon me, with your game with Sean. He retreated from the combat, which then put him on too low of a number to actually hit the dragon. Yep. He would have maybe killed the dragon otherwise if he stayed in combat, but he gave up a combat option so you couldn't kill him, but you're like, but you can now not hit me. Which, right? Two questions for you, Liam and Nathan. Then, uh, who, who wins out of you two when you play Egon? <laughs> Liam, and, <laughs> and what would what what will they change the cloak to then? Do you think? I think the cloak will be. I as I've said, Nathan. I think it should be if this model's not hit, it's minus two or three to be hit. Uh, in that phase, if it has already hit, it's minus one. So it's not, it's pretty much just automatically it's minus one to hit from combat. I wouldn't the shooting part just ignore it. Just uh, melee weapon attacks then, because obviously right now it works the hero phase as well or any phase you choose to attack. Uh, I would have it is that it's minus one to hit by melee weapons. Uh, if this model has not already attacked this phase, it's minus two or three. Matters how strong you want that to be, because obviously you're still then able to hit it on like sixes. But it's not so strong, as in just can't be hit. And that's the problem. But again, Cloak of Midnight's been kicking about from the Deepkin book for the same length of time. And is that just a one once per game thing? Exactly, though? which is the change I think they'll do. Yeah. I think yeah. they'll make it once per game. And mm. I hope that they don't make it once per game until it's fulfilled. I hope that they make it once per game and you can activate it at the start of a combat phase. To give it some tactical, like yeah. it, I think it just becomes it null be and void if they make it, it once seen, per game. Yeah, yeah. it if, just if won't they, be seen. If they it make it activated, you can you can choose your moment to use it. If yeah. they make it unactivated, people will just bait it out of you with something, and then yeah. it's it's useless. But um, it's it's an interesting effect in the game. I think it's only really got one similar, like item across all the books or realms so and there is counters out there like we've not touched on Gildenbane in the realm of metal which nullifies all artifacts so if you're really struggling against ethereal amulet and doppelganger cloak maybe yeah. think about taking that like there, there's ways around it there people is, just yeah, don't want part, to yeah. they don't want but to be also it. shooting takes off very quickly exactly that's yeah. a problem it's just there's not a shooting matter at the moment uh but again, even a couple of units are shooting. Even if you're battle line nerfing and you're shooting to, uh, your battle line attacks, they're probably going to take a dragon off over a couple of turns. As long as he's not getting into combat. Or if you double turn him, he's not surviving. Yeah. Hey, no, I take it, I take it you're, just, you're just taking the, uh, the, the, the current list again? The, nef yeah. the nef Neferat, the mother of dragons. Um, yeah. I'll maybe change the artifact. Uh, taking the orb. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. It would be quite funny to take off on it. Uh, uh, the orb, in one the, turn. <laughs> the orb will also help you in the doppelganger matchup. That's what I'm thinking. It's not an ability, but an ab it does. It does give you. A, it does give you a, a second option to nullify a hero. I still say it's an. I'd, I'd say the item is an ability. Yeah, 
if you look at what that. items say, it's the problem is what you classify as them. That's a problem. You would have to have a like literally highlight every book and go, what is the ability in that book? But yeah, I think it says the abilities of these items are below its text. Yeah, I'm mostly going to, to Aegon for the... I've been to three Aegons now. The last one I went to, uh, I went with my wife and didn't really get to partake in any of the, the sort of social. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm definitely going down for that more than anything. Uh, I want to hang out with all the Scottish guys and yeah. sort of the, the yeah, Kendall should, lot as well. We should mention there's, there's, there's at least a dozen, maybe 13 or 14 yeah, from Scotland going down. So North Invasion indeed. Kind of, <laughs> I know. Kind of. I'm good I'm not coming down. I've been to the last five I think I've been to on the bounce. Um <laughs> So yeah, it's a. But I, I mean, I got back from holiday. This is now what it's Tuesday now. I got back on um, Sunday. If I wanted to go to Aegon, I'd have to get the boat tomorrow, which is yeah. Wednesday, and I wouldn't well, be back until next Tuesday. And well, I just couldn't get here's the, the Here's the bait for you, Stu. Um, you'll be the only member of the 2017 Six Nations team not to be Aegon <laughs> this year. <laughs> God. Um, which is nuts right well here's how's this for you Stuart I'm going to go as you and (laughs) I'm going to try and get the best sports votes uh, with Doppelganger Cloak and Dragons I will I'm telling you now uh, I will will not use Doppelganger Cloak for anybody that buys me a drink that's a good one and uh, I'm going to try and embody the best Neff I'm going to be the best Neff that I can be oh that's good <laughs> but I mean, there is a, there is a silver lining to me not being able to come, and and that is that the annual Orkney Shetland Age of Sigma Inter County event is this same weekend, so I do get a wife pass to go for a one day um, event, which is only twenty miles away from my house because <laughs> because that's uh, that's okay. So I'm I'm the captain for the uh, the Orkney team this year. So it's uh it's three games, uh, fifteen hundred points a game. Uh, two teams of eight. Uh, we do pairings like in the Six Nations. Um, so there's a pool of six scenarios that have been uh, pre-drawn. So we've got shifting objectives, duality of death, battle for the past, scorched earth, total commitment, and taken hold. Um, basically, for those that don't know how the Six Nations works, uh, the captains um, go in. Um, we roll for the the scenario. Um, you put forward a defender. Uh, the other person uh, puts forward theirs, um, and then you put forward two to to um, uh, as potential opponents for for the one that's been put to you. And the the captain that put forward the uh, the defender chooses who the opponent is, and the other one goes back into the hand. So uh, before the event. Um, our teams are getting together. The team's getting together on our club night this week. Um, we're going through the, uh, the 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 red, amber, green type things as as we do for the Six Nations, but it's obviously on a different scale. Um, we're not having any Realmscapes in play. Um, uh, my list's basically the same as the Howling one, but I'm not taking Neff, so I'm just going with Legion of Night with uh, Manfred, Harbingers, um, a forty skeletons, and and two, two fives. It's not quite as as cutthroat as you can imagine, 
um, some of the guys, well, they, they don't, well, I th- in fact, I think I'm the only one at this event that's been to the Tournament South, I think, uh, oh, apart from Shane. Uh, we've got Shane playing, but um, unfortunately, um, Spad and Eric uh, aren't available, so my star players <laughs> are, are unavailable for the event. No, no so. puppies. <laughs> no, the puppies are not not uh, in attendance. So he's saving them for Masters, obviously. Oh, that's it. He's uh, he's he's keen. Uh, but that's that. So um, good luck. Um, I'll be doing that, and as I say, I'll be practicing ambushing and deployment for my Legion tonight just for fun. Uh, but good luck to you guys at Acom. Um, well, we'll get back together, as I say, in a couple of weeks. I'll try and get this. We'll try and get this out um, for the drive down to Acom and the drive across to Acom for all of you people going out there, and hopefully it'll uh, it'll be some some lovely music on on your road trip music. You know what I mean. Music in your ears, eh? Well, thank you very much, folks, for listening. Um, the last announcement, I suppose, I'll try and upload the video, but we have just done the the draw and filmed it for our October prize for the Rotten Butcher. And um, our, our luckiest podcast patron, having won uh, his second prize now, is Martin Swaffield. Um, so not only does he beat me, in tournaments he also takes yet another prize from us so well done martin and thanks for the continued support we'll uh um get you the rotten butcher i was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight for my monster from his slab began to rise and suddenly to my surprise he did the, mash. He did the monster match Hello and welcome, Andy. Good um, evening. So thanks for taking the time to come and see us and uh, speak to me here. And uh, a bit of a spoiler there. So you might have heard from the beginning of the uh, of the episode here that, uh, that that Andy has come in and has taken first place at the Howling. Yes, um, took a year out and came back and smashed and grabbed it. But... I know. It's, that's it. I've not seen you for a while. You keep your head down and then just come and shake it all up. Ah, took a took a year for some real life stuff, university and all that. But um, you know, you got to make a make an entrance when you come back onto the scene. No point in spooning or anything like that. Might as well come back in and pick up a trophy. I think when I saw the pictures of the trophy that Mike put up on Twitter, I was like, I need to get that. I need that. <laughs> where, where is it now? It sits next to my spare room, in my in my spare room next to the bed. If I put it in my, I try to put it, up, I try to put it above my bed, my room, but. You know, there's, there's lines. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you've got to set a good first impression, really, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. Imagine bringing someone back. What is that? That is the hammer. <laughs> That's the hammer. That is an interesting story, but no, no. <laughs> uh, we've played a couple of times in the past. We uh, have. Always a not, good game. Not for a while. And you, I think you've only played me when I've been playing with Destruction. Yes, that's um, right. I think we played it an Agom and maybe a Fall of the Old World, even. And, float, and then there was beer hammer in the garden at six nations twice. there was there was so i mean you're well you're, you've got to be honest you're pretty dirty when it comes to your list oh um i'm not gonna say in the past in the past of players that's for sure um i mean, I mean my, my experience i think the first game where you had cetera and god knows how many snakes <laughs> uh and, and that absolutely annihilated uh, my my poor 
uh, mixed destruction army. Yeah, those were the days where you could buff the snakes up to 29 <laughs> inch charge range and lots of extra attacks and all the mortal wounds. Yeah, there was. I'm not going to. I'm not the fluffiest player in the world. I'm not going to lie. Um, I definitely play to win. It was good. It was good fun. But then at Aegon, I suppose you met my tyrant and the Dreadmar and, and he's killed off the old Cetra, seven, seven or eight damage and uh, <laughs> back. Uh, yeah, that that kind of dropped my jaw. I had to pick my jaw off the floor after that one. <laughs> yeah, they were the days, eh? And then the next time, I suppose, was uh, we went to the Six Nations and you were our captain in 2017. Uh, and, and you brought the clown car, didn't you? I did. Um, I think it was the first time it was on the table. I've been talked about in chats and stuff like that, but it seemed to be the first run out. So there was three chemists and lots of uh, sky hooks and lots of riggers. And that was the days before they brought out the one stacking rule. So you know, the, the chemists were buffing the riggers up to have five and six stacks each. I think the highlight for them in the tournament was destroying Tom Mosley's unit of 14 Blight Kings yeah. in one round of combat. I think that was something like fifty-four damage. Yeah, those were the days. Yeah, that was it. It was it was a proper communist effort as well. I remember us uh, with whiskey and there was a uh, the whole team were bonding over painting your army the night That's before right. the event. I think it's actually a rule in the, the Scotland <laughs> Charter that says that the captain's army must be painted prior to the event <laughs> to, prevent, <laughs> to prevent that from happening again. But I do appreciate everyone helping out on the night before. And it definitely brought us together. It was a good laugh. It I was. Took a, it was I took a fair slag in for it, but you know, it was good. I would do it again. Do the same again, no doubt. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> These are all good guys. So, so you just said there after that, after the Six Nations, that was it. You kind of uh, finished on a high and took a year out, didn't you? Yeah, I, 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 I played the Winter War um, in December, but that was more just because I was I was trying to make it to it um, to support the charity uh, that John Harper uh, runs through the Dwarf Tournament. Winter War, um, but after that, yeah, there was very little Warhammer for myself. Um, no tournaments until the Howling, and and even involved in Twitter or WhatsApp groups, it was it was no, few. Um, yeah. But just I had university and, and uh, real life to take care of. But uh, now that that's out the way, I thought I'd make my glorious return at the Howling. So what about before uh, before Setra and the Snakes? What was what was the uh, flavour of the month before that? What did you play? What have you played in AOS? Um, so when it first came out, there was Stormcast. Um, Rich and mate, uh, Rich and Scott, I kind of um, Stormcast. I mean, they rented out to everyone to use, and I used it at a couple of tournaments. But the, the, the Tomb Kings took over pretty quickly after that. Um, and developed into an army that you know that was pretty brutal. Yeah. Um, prior to AOS one and, and all the rules getting updated, it, it, it was probably one of the filthiest armies out there. Yeah, um, it took quite a hit in the points department, didn't it, when uh, the first point, general's handbooks came out? Points and in the rules as well. You know, they made sure you could multi-stack buffs and and then obviously the rule of one and things came out, and that made it. It definitely curtailed what it was doing at tournaments. I mean, you could take there was lists of like twelve snakes going to tournaments and pe- taking people off the board to turn one, turn two. Because yeah. um, they could charge turn, there's a guaranteed six inch charge minimum. And you could yeah. make them fly 24 inches, so there wasn't much you could do. And then the damage output was horrendous. So, And it wasn't much of a game for the opponent. So, and you had to kill the whole unit, didn't you? Otherwise yeah, it was just exactly. coming back. Yeah, and that was probably, for me, the majority of the fun was watching your opponent try and kill the unit. 
the whole army faces it, takes it down. You've got one guy left, and then in your turn, you bring back two or three, and then all of a sudden, you know, they've wasted their full turn. So while that's enjoyable for me, it wasn't enjoyable for people. <laughs> and uh, you quickly realise that it's not sustainable. <laughs> you know, people will just start like, no, I'm not playing this guy. <laughs> no, no, I, I remember it. it was it was good fun. So I'll I'll always look forward to another one. But yeah, they are they are tough lists. But then I looked at your list for the howling, and I thought, obviously, again, it's not one that you you've built up that. But I mean, I I didn't see that as looking like a dirty list when I I first saw it on paper. So can you talk for folk through what you took there? Yeah, no problem. So I like like I said, with been a year out and completely missing the mate. I had to kind of reach out to. Um, Scott Smith and, and Rich Payne and Mike who are kind of the guys I talk to on a daily basis um, if it is run about Age of Sigma and just kind of try and get their opinions on what works and, and Rich had a list uh, a Sylvanath list that he, he'd been thinking about and he thought it was quite good um, what we didn't realise obviously is that shooting in the new meta is pants um, with the new line of sight rules and with the minus one tech characters taking um, 12 Colonel Hunters with great bows, or sorry, nine Colonel Hunters with great bows, um, was kind of shooting yourself in the foot. But I suppose I'll, I'll run you through the list and then uh, we can talk about it afterwards. So we had Alario um, with Regrowth and two Branch Wraiths, both with Verdant Blessing, um, which is the race, um, which is Summon a Forest. And one of them had the Acorn of Ages. And then we had the Battle Line, which was three units of five Cree Revenants. And then we had six Hunters with Scythes. And then three units of three hunters with great bows, um, which come in exactly 2,000 points. So no extra command points, no battalions. Um, that's the list. Yeah, and I, I saw that. And uh, obviously it's it's got some decent units in there. Six sides is always tasty and bows in the right place. But as you say, I looked at it and thought, well, there's going to be woods everywhere. And you're not you're not going to be able to get too many lines of sights with these, uh, these hunters uh, with the bows. Uh, and what about Alario? What were you summoning in with her? Did so you... she was, so, um, she actually summoned in, first game, um, she summoned 30, 20 triads. I, like, I had 30 in the box, why did I have 30 in the box? I could have summoned 10 with the branch race, That's which right, I didn't yeah. actually do through the full, full tournament. I completely forgot. Uh, it wasn't until after the tournament when I was on a breakdown with the guys, I was like, oh yeah, the brand trace are pretty sh- rubbish. And uh, he's like, no, no, they can summon dryads. No, they can. Yeah. Flicking through there. Oh, they can. So <laughs> Ten every turn. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> completely missed that. But uh, I'd, I'd be, if I took the list again in the future, I'd be doing it. But um, so she summoned 20. And I think in one game I summoned a full unit of three hunters with bows um, because I kind of worked out a tactic of keeping all the bow hunters off the table and then bringing them in from reserves um, through the forests to pick off any heroes that were maybe sitting in a position that I could grab them. Ah, uh, right. So you didn't go with the um, the tree lord, which I think not a lot I... of people go for the big the big guy. Because it's, it's not the ancient, I didn't actually rate it. Like, yeah. looking at the war school, I mean, that's just my experience. So first glance at the war school, I was like, well, I think I'd rather have the three revenants for the reach and... Um, maybe maybe if I played the games again, I would do something different. But the games I played and uh, the hunters or the dryads for the objective grabbing and for the maneuverability seemed the better option. Yeah, I suppose having those those options, depending on what mission you're playing and what your opponent is, is pretty good. It's that always was worth the, taking everything. That's probably the biggest surprise coming back into ESO <coughs> 2.0, they call it, was the free summoning and having the free units and the difference it makes to the games because. Your opponent's in the same position, you know, 
these armies of rules, whether it be summoning blood letters or different units or um, that sort of thing. So it was something different to think about, and it definitely changed how the armies played. And with Sylvanath, an army previously I might have thought I had no interest in, being able to summon the units definitely brings a different edge to them. Yeah. No, I think I think that's good. I think they're in a good place. And they're, um, I know you didn't take any of their Waskrow battalions, but their actual um, their formations are a really good price when you compare them to other other uh, armies. Yeah, and, and what they're paying. We had talked about you know because once um, once the lists came out and and everything, we talked about what we could have done different with my list prior to the event. And we said, could, you, could we have done now? I mean, Scott was at Facehammer the week prior to the lists going out and things. And I thought, he said, he messaged me and said, do you want me to pick up some more Revenants um, so we can make the Nauru, is it Nauru formation? Yeah. But I just, I didn't have time to paint it. So really that's what decided it. But yeah, the formations are really nice. And I think, as you say, that deploying off the board gives you that flexibility anyway, especially if you've got so many woods that you can bring on. There's, there's a lot of scope for where you put them in, really, isn't there? Well, yeah, the list is purely, you know, if you look at everything I've taken, it's all about covering the table with woods and, and in the battle. So if the the war scroll for the Sylvanath woods, especially the new AOS 2.0 rules, is so much better. I mean, when you read through it, um, it still has the old deadly. So now you only take D3 mortal wounds, whereas Savannah Wildwoods, it's every module that runs through it, unless they're a hero or a monster, they roll a dice and the one that they die. So, oh, so is that the same, the old one? It's the same right. as the old rule, and it's um, it's not been changed and it's not been FEQ'd to say that it follows the new terrain rules. Right, okay. So, and a couple of my games, that was pretty crucial because it gives you control of the board. And then obviously there's the benefits with spells causing mortal wounds and able to transport your army um, all over the table using the Wildwood spells and the, the Savannah spells. So that, you know, I think when Rich proposed that list to me and said, look, here's a good option for you to, to take, I didn't see it. And it wasn't until I got one practice game and then the three games at the tournament that it kind of cements in your head, ah, oh, there's a good there's a good uh, synergy. Oh, oh, I can do that now. And all oh, that actually makes people think twice about doing X, Y and Z throughout the game. So, I mean, it's only a three-gamer um, and a one-day event, but as you say there, you, you basically you had one practice game with a list, then you came in and you, you just basically take out the 40-man event um, with, with your first three games. <laughs> so that, that's fr- pretty good going. So just before we touch on, on who you played and, and uh, what their armies were and, and whatnot, uh, is there anything else from AOS 2 that you had to come to terms with in terms of changes? Um, that stood out to you. Land um, points and stacking abilities. Um, yeah. Game one, um, my opponent had a list that used made use of the command ability stacking, and that that blew my mind. Um, certain armies say you can't stack your abilities, and other ones that specifically says in FAQs that they can. You know, it's yeah. There's not really much consistency from that front, but um, yeah, command abilities caught me out. The realm spells as well. You know. That was six, seven spells per realm that I had to try and get a grip with and then work out how it impacted the games. Um, the new terrain rules, so that yeah. changed. Piling in, piling in's changed, so that, yeah, <laughs> yeah that, there was definitely a lot to pick up and go. And I'll be the first to say, you know, I said to all my opponents, look, I apologise. Uh, I'm not going to be the quickest. Normally, 
I'm quite a speedy player and I like to I'm proud of the fact that I'm up to clear with the rules um, but in those three games it was a struggle um, fortunately by game three it started to click but my first two opponents must have been tearing their hair out sometimes no no I mean it's a good scene and people are really uh, are really understanding and we've got a good bunch so I'm, I'm sure it's fine and you know you you have a ruthless list, but you're always a decent bloke on the table, so I'm sure everybody's all right with it. Definitely, they're good guys. I, I struggled myself, to be honest. I mean, I had a, a bit of a shocker. I was We, we travelled down the night before on a boat, um, so I didn't get to bed till one in the morning on the boat, and I'd had a, we took a crate of beer, and <laughs> I, 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 we'd got through that, and I think I had about two and a half, three hours sleep, and I was in a terrible, terrible mood. I felt awful. And uh, it was a pretty rough crossing. Felt rough. Yeah, I hardly sense. had any chat with anyone. And yeah, I, <laughs> I struggled. But I couldn't... I mean, I really, really prepared for game one, knowing what the scenario was, knowing my opponent and what the list was. And I think it just totally wiped me out, that game. It was such a an intense one. And then for the second two, I, my head was nowhere. I just I couldn't get my head around the spells. And the Realmscape features themselves... Ugh, yeah... Well, I think I, uh, it's. I mean, it's definitely changed the game um, for someone new. I mean, the tournaments seen now feels like the pinnacle of gaming, whereas before sometimes it felt like the, the gateway. You know, it brought people in, and you could easily say, like, this is a tournament game. It's easy to kind of pick it up, and but now it feels like if you go to a tournament, you need to know all the ins and outs, all the rules, um, and it, for beginners, it's pretty tough, you know. But yeah. like you say, in Scotland, it's good because the scene's so welcoming and everyone is brand new. Yeah. So for me coming back in, everyone was very supportive and explained all the rules. But as you say, um, game one, when everyone's had time to prep and knows <laughs> the realm rules and what your list does, game one at a tournament's intense now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, so what about it then? So who and what did you play game one? How Talk us through it. I mean, let me just get this, get this right in my head. We had, um, what was our... We had the missions were pre-drawn, weren't they? So, so number one was God. Do you remember what we were playing? Uh, <laughs> I know we were in the realm of fire because those yeah, uh, so it was those, the realm of fire. Those boiling geezers uh, did me some serious damage. Did they? See, yeah, they only really came into ours in game in turn four and turn five, and the game was kind of it swung. But uh, I'm just going. This is. I'm quite sure you'll be editing this section. But Ah, don't worry about it. We'll put some nice music in. <laughs> I can be the whole music. Please hold while Andrew looks for the tournament. Blood and Glory game one. Aye. So, yeah. always a good start. Um, and because it was my first game back, I reached out through the WhatsApp group to find out find an opponent. And uh, Mr. Kevlo, um, <laughs> in the five years um, that I've known him, I had never played him, so it felt like a good way to come back in. Um, I know Kev's one of the great guys in the tournament scene, so I thought, excellent. And I knew he would be brand new about getting me back in. Yeah. Um, but after I called him out on WhatsApp, I got a message from uh, a couple of guys saying, do you know what Evercators do? Um, <laughs> which I replied, no, question mark. <laughs> and just got back people laughing their faces off. Like I'd go and look up what Evercators do, then go into Kev's Twitter and look him in his building. <laughs> so <laughs> in that order... Oh, oh, they're pretty good. And then you go into uh, to Twitter and see that Kev's building thirty of them. So <laughs> yeah, it was uh, a bit of an eye opener. And I'm not going to lie, I went into game one with the fear. Um, 
<laughs> so it was blood and glory it was in the realm of fire and uh, i was playing kev so kev was running um Stormhost, hammers of sigma and he had a uh, gavriel surehart uh, with his ridiculous uh command ability <laughs> that you can stack yeah that you can stack um like i said blew my mind um he had three units of five liberators um two with grand one grand hammer and one with grand blades and then he had two units of 15 evocators, <laughs> 600 points each, um, both with the Lord of Invigoration Celestial Blades. Um, <laughs> so that came in at 1,700 points, and I was like, I couldn't quite understand why is it taking, you know, he's 300 points shy. But obviously he gets six command points to um, buff up his units prior to the game starting. <laughs> yeah, and uh, triumph so that it can re-roll yeah, all his, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good. Double down on that. And um, <laughs> So I deployed... Uh, standard, you know, turtle kind of. I put um, the revenants in the kind of first row, and then I used um, the unit of six um, Carnoth hunters to try and protect the Lariel. Um, you know, with I've been six hundred points and being able to, to, to summon unit, a unit, she's, she's pretty key to the list working out. Yeah. And I kind of deployed that over to one side um, near one objective, and I put my one of my branch wraiths over to the other side um, with the Acorn Age. Which became quite key later on, but in my rustiness and um, yeah, lack of practice, I left a gap for the evocators to get through. <laughs> <laughs> so he was within twelve inch range of the revenants, but I didn't think he could reach um, Alario. And then he's like, "Oh yeah, this is like a plus eighteen inch charge." <laughs> oh, <laughs> so and they come twenty four inches and they get into Alario, but. The key point here was I'd summoned, I'd put my three base Sylvanath Wood in front of my army as well, so he had to run through the forests. So two or three of the evocators died on the way through, you know, um, not as many as I thought would die, but it started to, you know, there's that chipping away, and that, and that became pretty key because after they did their attacks, took a couple of wounds off of Alario, uh, then did their mortal wound spam, she was left with two wounds. Uh, and I think Kev expected to kill her straight away, you know, and once she was dead, the army's pretty, um, there's not made much teeth there. So for her to escape with two wounds, and obviously there's plenty of, plenty of regrowth, she can heal D6 wounds. Um, if she doesn't choose to summon, she can heal, or D3 wounds, sorry. She also heals D3 wounds anyway per turn, and she had the regrowth spell. And because she's so vanished, she can transport through the woods. So I won the initiative, for turn two, which meant that Alario couldn't die. I threw the acorn at ages, sprouted another wood, and transported Alario out of combat. Healed her back up again, and then from there, I was able to chip away his units. You know, um, she killed Gavriel, um, and, she, and then I killed one unit, uh, one unit of Cures. So I was pretty lucky in that sense that Alario surviving was the key to the game. Yeah. Um and from there it was it was kinda it swung it swung big because I was able to summon a unit of twenty and uh, dryads onto one objective and then he only had liberators deployed on the other the other trees, so I could then summon woods, transport hunters and uh, use the revenant's ability to, to pull themselves up and move across the board to grab the other objectives. And then because I had um, so towards the end of the game, he had eight evocators left on 
the objective that I originally started Alario on, and I'd taken the other three. Um, I was able to bring in um, Alario and one of the hunters to wipe them out and take them off the board. So that meant that I'd cleared them out and taken all four, or taken all four objectives for the major. Yeah. Uh, which was, you know, I could tell by Kev's face it wasn't really expected, but Kev, being the absolute gent that he is, took it so well because, I mean, I said to him after the game, when he was kicking my ass, and he was kicking my ass um, to begin with, especially when he made that big massive charge and and burst open that gap, he was still helping me out. You know, he, you know, it made me feel like I was enjoying the game. And then when Alario survived and it swung back my way, he was still being a gent. He was still pointing out, you know, new roles and remember you can do that with your command ability, yeah, with your command points. And, you know, for that, uh, you know, an absolute gent, you know, yeah, especially when you, you keep swings like that, you, you've got every right to be huffy or you've got every right to be like, oh, Jesus, how did that happen kind of thing. Well, he's good at there. seeing the funny side, isn't he? Yeah, he chuckled away, kept me engaged and, and you know, I, I, I shouted out, she's alive when she survived <laughs> that evocator charge. And he took it all in good grace and oh, it was a good laugh. Definitely a very good game. Yeah, no, he's done well and I think... um You'll know he got the badger shame at Northern Invasion and he had a, a pretty nasty list there. But I think he's just, as you say, he's, he's, he's too nice and, and he, he tells people if somebody's going to, he don't want to lose by somebody making a mistake. And yeah, I oh, think... Somebody, uh, somebody told me that the tournament prior, somebody went to do something and Kev stopped them, pointed out that if he did that, he would win. So the guy then went, okay, didn't do it and then won the game. So Kev went to this level of sportsmanship that he actually stopped his opponent mid-game and said, look, you doing that will win the game for me. And the person went, oh, Jesus, didn't expect that. And and won because Kev was such a nice guy. That tells you the kind of person he is, really. Yeah. So there you go. So you get the uh, the strong first game, um, yep. which was so, Blood and Glory. So I suppose that's a, a bit of a lesson. And, and people who do bank those command points to try and spam something, it is an all or nothing a lot of the time, because if it doesn't go off, you, you're starting off on a bit of a, a disadvantage then, and you, you, you're playing catch-up because you've spent 300 points of your army or whatever. So it's a, yeah, it's a pure, lesson. Pure alpha strike, you know, if it doesn't, if you don't get that, that target that you pull for, then... And then if you don't get the, the double turn um, to then mop up the mistake or mop up the you know the, the fact the dice have done you kind of thing, then you are you're, you're fighting a you're fighting a losing battle from that point. Yeah. Okay. So uh, going into uh, game two, um, we moved from the realm of um, the realm of fire. Um, what did we have next? So. It was a realm of, realm of uh, light. Light, uh, that was it, speed of light. Because speed right. of light, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. yeah so you roll place. a six and you can just move a unit, that's redeploy right. it on the board, can't you? That's right. Yeah. Um, and fortunately, in our game, it didn't come off. <laughs> ah, well, lucky um, you. <laughs> yeah, very lucky me. Um, so I was playing uh, Rich Hudspeth and uh, he had his uh, Blades of Power. Yeah, he had his bell on the table. That was a bit of a shocker. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So he's one of the northern, is it um, northern warriors? Is it from Newcastle? He, no, he's the warlords, aren't they? Northern yeah, warlords. Yep. Yeah. So they're uh, 
they're uh, they came they come up on mass and they're uh, yeah they're they're a good bunch of lads and and yeah rich i played him i've played him in the past and he has uh, just to clarify to people that uh, bell end is his um it's his uh, bloodthirster isn't it is it a rathacorn it's his <laughs> yeah, rathacorn bloodthirster it's a rathacorn bloodthirster that's right yeah um i'm glad we have to clarify that <laughs> <laughs> we should do really just, you know, just before the tournament family friend thinks there's uh someone will never <laughs> but yeah so uh, game two um after the unexpected uh major one uh, i thought i'm gonna come up against um some filth and uh, it was it was a it was one of those lists where you, you sit and look at it and you go i know that they're dirty i know that they're dirty i know that that's gonna hurt um, if he gets all the buffs off, um, but it was the first time playing a horde army. Um, so I'm just trying to find his list here. Here we go. So he had Rathacorn Bloodthuster, Bell End. He had two Slaughter Priests, a Blood Secretor, a Blood Stoker, and a Gaunt Summoner. Which, uh, you know, a Zinch, a Zinch Wizard in the corner. It's a Corn Summoner. You dirty man. <laughs> You dirty, dirty man. And he was just laughing. It was a good, he gave us a good giggle just before we were deploying out. He's like, and here's my ally. I just ain't going somewhere. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. but to, to give him his dues, he is converted, isn't he? So he's yeah. like a, a corn. A and calls him the corn summoner. One of the familiars has got the corn symbol inscribed into the book. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, surely that would burn the book if it was a, if it was a spell book. But no, it's a, it's thematic. Uh, if you can call it, some, if there's a thematic sense to it a corn <laughs> mage caster but as i said i'm not a fluffy person <laughs> it definitely made me giggle <laughs> and it's, it's a good it's a good uh unit to take and then he had uh, two it's a 30 blood letters so they were doing their mortal wounds on fives prior yeah. to any buffs um you had 10 blood weavers um which were just a speed bump basically and then two corgiths um along with the spell portal and chromatic cogs Cog and then oh endless spells I suppose um, was something else I hadn't really came across when you asked me earlier on um, mm-hmm. what new things um, in EOS 2.0 I had not really came across it was the endless spells something that again completely changes every game I, I played with them um, so with it being Starfall um, Star Strike sorry um, that meant that there was objectives dropping on turn two and turn three so the armies were kind of spread out to catch it you know, wherever it went. Advantage for me, because I'm very mobile, I can jump across the board using the trees if I need to. Um, the revenants can pick themselves up and move to wherever the star fell. But you obviously want to have a large enough force wherever the star does fall to be able to deal with your opponent coming towards you to try and take it off you. And you score points at the end of every battle round. Uh, your battle round kind of thing. Yeah. So I won the, the toss and um, started to pl- um deployed out, took turn one, got my trees up to try and uh, make it difficult for Rich to come across and uh, mess me up. And he moved up um, so, so fast, like scary fast. You know, he's explaining to me that at one point he had a 30 inch threat range mm. with the Wrath of Corn Bloodthuster um, between the the Bloodstokers and, and Slaughter Priest buffs and so on. So, you know, it's pretty scary when you hear that. You're like, okay, I'm just going to make sure I'm deployed back a little bit, try and um, make it as difficult as possible. And I put the woods out um, as such to try and mean that if he did want to charge Alari or anything like that, he had to run through the forests. And then hopefully that would mean that he was going to lose some of his units. 
I won the swing for turn two, so he pushed up so hard. He said to me, "Oh, that's me lost the game," and and I was so rusty and so um, naive to what his army could do that I was like, "No, like, no, you haven't." <laughs> I'm really scared of that beginning of thirty um, <laughs> blood letters that you've buffed up to Ying Yang, and um, I was like, oh, I'm, "All I'm concentrating on is staying out your way for as long as I can." Um, he then. So the game went back and forth, and it was kind of cagey for the first couple of turns. It did take a little while with him, but a, a, a horde army, it was definitely a, a slower game than I've had before. Uh, and then he introduced me to, he, he skilled me. I, you know, I'll, I'll happily admit, he, you know, he skilled me and uh, how to charge. So at one point, he charged his unit of bloodletters into my army, and I thought, okay, that's fine. You can only charge into one unit, and then the, the unit exploded. You know, it, it started. Uh, pulling in all these units and I was like uh, do you not have to like move towards the nearest target or move towards he's like no as long as the first model finishes within half an inch then everything else as long as you maintain coherency can yeah. engage whoever it wants as long as it doesn't move any further in the charge range yeah. so I was blown and I'd been completely caught with my pants down because I was like oh uh, um, <laughs> what do I do now uh, he's going to kill everything and you know, there's a lot of mortal wounds coming my way so once that panic subsided, and I was like, right, I'm going to have to try and deal with this. So, kind of whittled the unit down and managed to do a bit of damage, but his star fell to my favour, if that makes sense. So, if you imagine, it fell to my left, his right hand side of the board, where he didn't really have much but a Cargoth, um, a Corgath, sorry. So, which meant I could jump across with some Revenants, capture it, get some points. And he'd moved up and took the centre objectives along with threatening my right hand side with his Wrath of Corn Bloodthuster and such. So up until turn two, the points were pretty even. But turn three, he got all three objectives. And that got him nine points and put him well ahead of me because I only managed to capture one back because I foolishly charged in with my unit six hunters and pulled in his second unit of Bloodthuster, uh, Bloodletters. If I hadn't piled into them, they wouldn't, they wouldn't, oh, sorry, if I hadn't piled in the way I did, I wouldn't have brought that unit in. And because he could pile in so far, it meant he had more units around the objective. So that was me getting ahead of myself, playing the killing game rather than the objective game. Yeah. And at that point, I looked at the timer and realised we only had like 50 minutes left. This is the bottom of turn three, and I was like, there's no chance we're getting another two turns in. Sure enough, we played turn four and we had 10 minutes left, and at that point, uh, Rich was well ahead. So I was like, oh, it's going to be, it's going to be what it is. And it was a very tight game so tactical, so cagey, you know, very accurate, making sure all the measurements were right and, you know, asking for the rules and making sure we got everything correct. And at one point, um, at the end of turn four, Rich went, right, let's get turn five in. And I was like, what? Is it, come on, we've got five minutes each, let's get turn five in. And I said, but if I win the priority roll, I can win. You know, the way it fell out, the way the game had fell by that point was that, I could capture all three objectives if I got priority, but if Rich got the priority, he could summon units in using his blood tithe points and cover the objectives. And I didn't really have enough damage dealing ability or maneuverability at that point in the game to take him off. And he's like, well, it's a dice game. Let's let's roll for priority turn five and we'll play it out five minutes each. So he's an absolute gent. We didn't need to do that, but he obviously, he saw, he saw the merit in playing five turns because at that point we both had a chance. Whereas if we stopped at turn four, he won the game. So we would rather play, much like Kev, he'd rather play the game out for that last 10 minutes and give me a chance to win and, and if he won, he'd be happy knowing that he gave me the chance, 
rather than stopping at turn four and going, right, okay, I can win, game over. So we rolled the dice, I won priority, and that meant that I could tidy things up and take the take the lead, um, along with securing the objectives to stop him from scoring enough points in his turn five. So that got me the major. Um, he killed, I think I killed maybe a thousand, maybe 1,200 points, and he killed a couple hundred points of mine. So, you know, it was a tight game. Um, maybe I didn't do enough justice in my description. Um, but we both stood and talked for 20 minutes after the game finished. Because um, we obviously played, sorry, we didn't stop for 20 minutes because Mike was shouting, Andy, Rich, come on. You're, <laughs> you're holding up. You're holding up everybody else. We're waiting for round three and you guys are, are holding the show up. Um, and because it was so tight and so tactical, I, you know, I, I walked away from that table shattered. Yeah. <laughs> I think I can easily say it's probably the first time, maybe one of the first games I've ever played that went right up to the wire. I'd actually said to Mike prior to the tournament, you know, I don't ever play a game that's gone to the clock. And that was the first game. And the fact that Rich gave me the fifth round is what, which gave me the ability to win the game. You know, if he hadn't done that, if he hadn't said, look, fair's fair. And, you know, I've got a horde army that, you know, that, that slows it down a little bit. Um, you've been pretty quick. Let's get that fifth turn in. It's only fair. I would never have won. Yeah. Well, again, good good opponent, and I've played him as well. And no, I'm, I've had a good few beers with him as well on a on a two day And he's a he's a good lad. He he likes a, he likes a, a good game, and he likes a pint. So uh, good on him, and I know he listens. So uh, I look looking forward, forward to, to playing him. Looking forward to playing him again. I'm looking forward to having a pint with him at a two day So um, he definitely deserves one. Oh, that's grand. So so going into three. Um, it's a it was a different one. We'll maybe touch on it at the end, but the um the first decider is was strength of schedule, wasn't it? So right. yeah, so um, the fact that you've not necessarily uh, mopped up the boards here um isn't isn't really critical. It's it's how well your opponents end up doing that's the the key thing. So so what did you have going into to game three then? So game three, I was playing uh, David Nemeth um, with his Nagash death list. Um, Nagash has been turbocharged with all these realm spells and with all the endless spells. Um, it was an eye opener. Um, when you look at his list, he's got like Nagash, a Necromancer, a Cairn Wraith, three units of five direwolves, and two units of thirty. Um, is it the Ghasts with? Oh, the Grim Ghasts. Grim Ghasts. Yeah. Um, he had the Umbral Spell Portal, and he had. Cogs to give him the extra spell. Uh-huh. So, you know, Nagash is casting eight plus spells a turn. He had he had these little cards for all the spells he was doing. <laughs> um, he, he had spell portal, which means he can do hand of dust through oh, the spell he can, portal. He can try and put prod you through the yeah. through the mirror. He can stick his hand through the portal and um, and then hand of dust you. So I was pretty pretty worried about that. So I kept. So we played. I mean, we should probably mention that game three was in the realm of death. And which was an advantage for him. Um, and then it was also um, the third tournament game was to find it. I had it in front of me there for some reason. Oh, it was the um, relocating orb. Relocation orb, which seemed to cause yeah. a bit of controversy. So I didn't understand um, going in did, what the did big it, issue did it was. Did it go your way, did it? Oh, it went my way, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I didn't really understand what the big drama was. Um, I've played I've ran tournaments where 
the objectives in the last game are random. You know, it was like capture this objective. There's a golden envelope. You open the envelope. That's how many points it's worth. Um, and it was like varying points. So I quite like a, a random objective in game three, but I can understand for other people they would rather the last game was decided on strength of the list and player ability uh, as opposed to a random random objective moving about the board. But at the end of the day, it's a game. It's a dice game. It moves on a dice roll, so surely that's all part of the fun. Obviously, I'm speaking from a position of <laughs> it helped me win the game. <laughs> but It went really well for me as well in that last one. It, it, and the, the Realmscape... Um, rule wasn't quite as crazy on this one either, was it? No, it wasn't too uh, impacting the game. Um, just trying to remember when it was actually. I think uh, it was the the is everybody plus one bravery or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't. It didn't really come into the game at all. Um, no. But what did come into the game was the realm spells um, because one of the realm spells makes you immune to magic. Ah, right. Uh, which became pretty key because it meant I could make Alario immune. So if you buff her up, then cast that spell, like if you heal her or summon something or you know use her damaging ability, you can then cast the realm spell from death that makes you immune to all spells from that point onwards. Ah, so may... that's, that's Nagashi's nine spells not really yeah. letting him tickle. Even if you get double turned, you know, Alario's going to survive and she's a third of your army along with summoning ability, so I was pretty confident that no matter the swing, she was going to survive. Um, obviously, with that in mind, I deployed her at the back of the board, just to minimise the chance in case uh, David, David obviously, he got first turn, didn't have very many drops. And he was dropping all these little graveyards, um, first time playing the new death army so it was a learning curve for me he explained what everything did and you know, there was a couple of shocks in terms of how much if you if you don't kill a unit uh, he can bring it back anyway but if you don't kill a unit then he can heal it up quite quickly as well uh, yeah. whether it be through spells or through these graveyards so death are a very tough army just now uh, obviously you run them so you, you know but um for me is playing them for the first time it made me very weary and I felt going into the game that the only thing I could do was play the objectives I couldn't play the list the gas is too strong I didn't have enough spells to shut them down um, you know only had, I had three casters but that's only f uh, four attempts and the gas is at like plus five or something so short of him rolling very very low you're not going to stop him no um, so you just got to let him play out try and avoid him as best you can and then just play for the objectives so relocation orb it starts in the middle of the board and it, it moves based on a dice roll. So if you're looking at the board from top down to try and give the listeners a, an idea, uh, and this is from my perspective, we did a diagonal line going from bottom left to top right with David uh, in the top quarter, uh, the top half and me in the bottom half. Now, the majority of his army was strengthened down towards the bottom left and I had most of my forces up to the top right and this, that's the way the, the orb moved fortunately for me <laughs> the other big point was that David didn't clock that the person who went second gets three points if they capture the objective Yeah. or that if a wizard captures it, the count as 20 models if you put a hero on there that's a wizard um, that counts as 20 models as opposed to a single model so he had a unit of five, he had a unit of five direwolves close to it, but I had my one of my branch wraiths went and captured it in turn one for me. That gives me three points, and because I've got more models, I take it. 
So it was that kind of swing where, I mean, we both had plenty, I mean, don't get me wrong, we both spent plenty of time reading the objectives, reading the, the scenario, rereading it, reading it again, because it's a pretty complicated setup. And, you know, when you look at it, there's a lot of movement for the objectives. You want to try and get in your head how that works. So we maybe spent the first half an hour of the two and a half hours for the round deploying and reading the object, reading the scenario. And we both missed, I think, we both missed the three-point thing. And it wasn't until David had taken the first turn and moved that I clocked it and I said to him, well, I can get three points um, for going second here. And he was like, oh, right. Uh, oh, in that case, I'll go second from now on, regardless if I win or not. And sure enough, um, that's what he did because he won every objective, won every, one, every priority role. Um, but the cagey game, but you know, back and forward again, pretty slow. Table one, end of the tournament, it's obviously going to be cagey and everyone wants to make sure that they do everything properly. Um, his is quite a big army, so... You know, yeah, he's got a horde and he's got a big magic face there, hasn't he? Yeah, so you're so not, you're, you've got to be talking, on top to get through it. You're talking, you know, I, I think it was bottom of turn two and we had 40 minutes left. Bloody hell. So... You know, we've only played two turns. The score was at that point, um, what was it? It'd been, it'd been four, th- four, five, four, four, three, something like that to me. I know I was just ahead, just keeping my nose in front. And uh, going into turn, start turn three, there was 46 minutes left. And knowing how long David's turn would take, like, I couldn't do what Richard done for me, which was to say, Let's shorten the phases and go really quick and make sure we all get our five turns in. It just wasn't going to happen. Um, there was no way, with it being the last game of the tournament and everyone wanted to get home, that we could push our luck and maybe extend that timer five, ten, fifteen minutes beyond the end and try and get at least two turns in. So we, we both said, look, there's 46 minutes left. Are you happy to take 23 minutes each? You know, that's that means we've played three turns out at this point, we can both win, depending upon how the objective bounces. I think David could have won a minor victory um, based on victory points. And then if it bounced my way, I could take the major because I had that one point advantage from the first round. Um, and David went, yep, that's fine, no problem. We'll both take 23 minutes each. So I played it my turn, set up my units in such a way that if the objective bounced here or there, I was going to take it uh, in my turn. And also give me a chance in David's turn if it was to bounce in a favourable way. So David took his turn. Um, again, he did exactly the same. Set himself up in such a position that he could capture the objective if it bounced. And unfortunately, it bounced twice. So ah, you yeah, because you roll the six or a one, right. isn't it? If you roll a one or a six, it moves again. So it has arrows. When you look at the, the scenario... You know, one to three might be move up to the top right, four to six move to the bottom left. So it moved, but because he rolled a six, it moved towards me. And then when he rolled again, it moved even further towards my army, which meant he had no chance of capturing the objective. Um, in actual fact, I captured it, which meant I won the game. So fortuitous, you know, I'm not going to lie. Like I said, not many people would have thought that, uh, not many people like a random objective game in the last round of a tournament but you know it's based and it gave me a chance against a list that normally I would have no chance against so it, it meant if, like I said play the objectives you've got a chance I've played the list yeah. I've tried to you know go head to head with them I had no chance yeah no it's good good stuff it's uh, 
it was well deserved. And then based on the strength of schedule there, um, you obviously uh, you you took it out. And I, I think there was only two of you. Well, am I right in thinking that I had three majors? Because yeah, Nathan and myself were the only two players with um, yeah six, uh, three majors. Um, and because Lee came third, didn't he, with two majors and a minor? That's right. Yeah, and uh, Nathan, I think. Uh, Almost a clean sweep with these victory points. Just have a look at it just now. So, um, yeah, I'd got. Th- so I actually scored no victory points in that last game, and because I hadn't really clocked the fact that it was strength of schedule, I thought that would that would be through through the game. I thought, I've, you know, I can't, um, I can't win it now. And uh, it was not until we took some chats with the guys after the game finished and they explained to me that it was strength of schedule, and that Nate, I think one of Nathan's opponents had went one major and two losses as opposed to all my opponents going two majors after either before or after playing me yeah which gave me a strength um slightly higher than nathan's because nathan had scored nearly 5300 kill points so he only left 700 points on the board whereas i scored you know three and a half thousand so there was a big difference in terms of kill points um but this strength of schedule that that mike used to to rank as the first kind of uh, differentiator yeah let me pick up the tournament. Yeah. Ah, well, well done. Thank um, you very much. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you've talked through how you've dealt with it there. And, uh, I mean, have you got any tips for people on, on playing or list building in particular or anything that, you know, if we do have quite a few new people or people who don't get that many games in, any advice for them? Uh, I think, so, first of all, know your war scrolls. Know the army that you take. Whatever army you build, Make a cheat sheet, maybe make a you know guider for yourself. Say like turn one, make sure you've done this, and you know, right down to the point of hero phase, make sure you've done that. Um, something I didn't do, I was relying on my previous experience um, with the army or things I'd heard before, I read before, uh, and then game one, Kev's kind of Kev's niceness to point out things to me as well to to help. And like I said, I forgot some abilities right the way through the tournament that might make things easier for me. Um, so that's probably my kind of number one tip. Um, don't don't build lists. Build it. Build an all rounder. You know, try and build a list that can bounce back. Or one trick ponies. Um, I, you know, I've played one trick ponies, and they are great and they will um, win tournaments. But people quickly learn how to counter them. So when you go to a tournament, you'll probably find that there's someone there with a list specifically designed to counter your list, or that in every way stops you from doing that one trick pony that. That makes your list so strong. Um, yeah, I think, and I think the, you know, my third tip would be play the objectives. It's an objective game. Um, while a lot of tournaments use kill points as uh, the first rank, you know, the first differentiator, it's not always the case. And there's no point in wiping your opponent off the board uh, if they've already got 10, 20 points of a lead in objectives because they've played you a many dance around the table, you know, distracting you with little units and going, maybe talking you. It's because it's not just a, a dice game. People are clever enough to talk a good game as well. Someone might say, oh, you know, wipe that, you know if you kill that unit, you, you wipe me off the board. And you think, oh, you're done, so I get, to, I get to wipe him off the board. But the reality is he's distracted you from the fact that you could take an objective and maybe win the game. So as, I'd say that's probably my three tips, you know, Cheat sheets, know your war scrolls, um, play the objectives. Solid advice there. So, so what's going to be the new filth then, Andy? What's, <laughs> what, what's coming? <laughs> what, so I've got you... I've got Agom. Um, 
uh, this weekend coming, and I am determined to make Caradron Overlords good again. <laughs> oh, okay. So have you filled it with gun haulers? No. Um, <laughs> I, I suppose I can give you a rundown of the list. I've got two lists in mind. So one was kind of based on um, what I had, and the other was looking at Twitter, looking at the forums, and looking to fill in the deficiencies of the, of the Overlords. So, you know, the big gap for Overlords is the fact they've got no spellcasters. So you want to make use of that um, that allies rule to bring in um, a spellcaster, so you can make use of the realm spells. You know they do make a big difference. Like I said, game three for me, making a Lariel immune to magic was key. It meant I could uh, be quite happy that she wouldn't die. So you don't want to miss out in that phase of the game. So I'm kind of looking at a, a Barak Moran list, which is. Um, a list that lets you do either shooting in the hero phase once per game or chart or piling in fight in the hero phase. And the general lets you reroll all missed hits against a target that he picks. So if you've got quite a shooty list, it's pretty useful. So there's like two chemists, a navigator, who's the general, and a knight encanter from the Stormcast list. So I brought that in for the instant dispel. The extra dispel attempt, and also I've used the, the, the comet spell, yeah, that's right. Uh, um, because quite often people, when they play overlords, it will bunch up, yeah, to stop you from dropping in. So, if I've got comet with a 36 inch range, I could drop that in the middle of the army and yeah. deal out plenty of mortal wounds. And uh, I guess something I'm trying to learn is that you know, maybe I can ask you, you've more experience than me, can you dispel the comet in one turn and then the next turn recast it again? Yeah, is that something? Yeah, so, so, well, you cast it. Um, and it's it's going to come and drop and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, you can you can dispel uh, at the beginning of your uh, well, it's a it's an unbind, isn't it, to get yeah. rid of it? So you you use a an unbind, and then yes, yeah, so as long as you've got enough casting slots, once it's off the table, you can recast it. So the navigator has got two t- two spell dispel attempts, so you could technically dispel it with the with the navigator and then recast it with the encounter. I don't know because I, I no. I, is, that, is that a gap in my knowledge then? No, I don't know. Um, I'm not too sure how the dispel works. Yeah. Because um, the dispel for endless spells takes one of your casting right. attempts rather than so it it's not like an unbind like roll. Yeah. It's it's you you basically you spend a cast to yep. remove a to remove an endless spell. So right. it might might not work that. And um, artifacts. Is there any artifact that gives you an extra spell? <laughs> you uh, well, you've got the cogs, which is one, I suppose, that'll give yeah. you a spell. Well, I've got 40 um, points still. How much is cog? 60. So I can't really, I don't think I can fit that in. But yeah, there's something, you know, it's something. There'll be something there. It's something that it's definitely, I think the comet seems pretty, pretty tasty for dealing out mortal wounds on a rig because it does its drop down spells. It, when it drops down, it does its mortal wounds and then it does additional mortal wounds to everything uh, on a dice roll as well. So um, that initial first turn, there's plenty of damage output. And even if it drops some heroes down to one or two wounds, yeah. if I can slip through a couple of wounds with um, chemist buff Darkonauts pumping out 24 skyhooks that are rerolling missed hits and things like that, you know, I can maybe negate that menace one to hit for the heroes. Or So I think there's some legs there. So um, there's, you know, I've, got, I've got a unit of 30. Arconauts, two units of ten Arconauts, all with light skyhooks. Um, a unit of twelve Enriggers with three grapnel launchers. Uh, I know they've been nerfed, but 
you can still scoot across the table, turn one. And, are you and taking make any charge. bolts? Are you taking any bolts? No, but, I, mean, no. I, had, I had the initial list I looked at had bolts, but um, all the kind of feedback I'm getting is that the bolts are um, pants <laughs> now. Yeah. Uh, and they really don't work too well. And they can't meta, you know, they're overcosted, uh, under armoured, and don't really bring too much other than making a very low drop list. Yeah, you know, maybe take. I mean, that list I'm looking at taking is is uh, eight, nine. Whereas, um, if I change it slightly, it's down to two, two or three with a boat. But it's a it's a huge point sink to take that boat. Yeah. No, so I, I think see boats, I think boats will take a reduction in the next the next handbook. Yes. I think when you look at what they can do um, now, um, and what the army needs, and it's obviously not getting that much play. It'd be good if, to see them do well, um, and to prove that that it can work. And I'm sure you'll you'll give it a good shot. Well, I always like to give it a good old good old try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well, good luck at Aegon. And will you be? I know will you be go to Winter War and Tempest. Uh, Winter War is um, maybe just now. I think I might have um, some family commitments, um, but I'll always try and make it work. And Tempest is the same. Um, I may have my son, but I'm always trying to uh, make it if I can. But yeah. we'll see. I won't commit just now, but it would be good to be there. Yeah, oh, well, I'll hopefully get you a game anyway. Oh, definitely. I'm sure we'll so. get a few games in. <laughs> Right, well, well, good luck at, uh, at Aegon. I'm going to look forward to hearing how you do. And you never know, you might be on here again next month telling me how you've, uh, you've walked <laughs> through that one, eh? <laughs> any, any luck with any luck. Cheers, Stu. It's good to speak to you, mate. All right, you too. See you later. Bye-bye. So it's a, it's good to have you again and, and to speak to you. Um, you just successfully organised the howling, so well done for that. And also, while you're there, congratulations on being elected the uh, Scotland captain for Six Nations 2019. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, it's uh, a pleasure to be um, voted and it's an honour. And uh, looking forward to getting stuck in and, and uh, leading us to victory. Oh, exactly. We can we can aim high, aim high. Actually, well, you know that's what that's what the yeah, that's what goals are for, aren't they? I thought it'd be a good chance to speak to yourself, and uh, I don't know. Do you want to give people a bit of a quick overview on the numbers of people you had, and I don't know the the scoring system and your scenarios, things like that. Uh, so uh, the howling is a uh, was a, is a one a one day event, three games. Uh, we end up with thirty eight people. Uh, I think we originally were at forty two, but as as we spoke about on the last podcast I was on, but we had a few drops down to 38, which I think is still a cracking number. I'm really happy with that. Um, we, uh, because in Scotland, we never, we hadn't had a tournament where we played fully in the realms. Uh, we did that and we, I rolled the scenarios randomly and picked some realmscape features for each one um, and did a slightly comical uh, video when I rolled these scenarios, which, which took place after I'd lost my voice. So um, I was a bit husky. And I uh, had the best comic punchline of relocation or being rolled for the last scenario, uh, which I was uh, not particularly pleased about because I don't think it's particularly fit for match play, especially the last game of a tournament. But that's what happened. Um, and uh, so we played 
what do we play? Blood and Glory, Star Strike, and Relocation Orb. And it was, that, yeah. I believe it was Fire, Light, and Death. It was. Uh, in Gaze of Boiling Blood, Speed of Light, and Eternal War, where the Realmscape features. Uh, Gaze of Boiling Blood was a bit of a kind of uh, a left field one just to give people uh, a taste of the random element Realmscape features could bring in, which I think that's one that you rolled to six. You could pick a point on the battlefield and everything within, I think, three inches, was it? Is everything within three, in- three inches of Manfred, it seemed to be to me. <laughs> D six more wins. So yeah, because a lot of a lot of things I've seen had picked Romskate features that hadn't had any effect on the game. I'm like, well, these are these are what we've been given. Let's pick some for the first one. I thought let's just pick something a bit spicy just to make it a little bit interesting. Um, I if as if I was running a, a balls to the wall competitive tournament, uh, I wouldn't wouldn't have that. I may not even have Romskate features personally. Um, but it was fun. So, yeah, it was different. Um, I mean, for the first one, I was, I was, I was geared up, and you know, you'd, you'd, you'd pre-drawn the, um, you'd set the scenarios um, after lists were submitted, but we knew what the, um, the realms were going to be. So, so for game one, anyway, I'd probably put way too much of my uh, focus on that. So I was, I was totally geared up for that one, and yeah, now, it did have an effect on my games. I'll, I'll talk about that briefly when I go through them. So. I think it's game changing. Um, yeah, I, I think, think it does make it rele- um, very random. Uh, but as you say, that's what we've been given. Um, I think that it'll probably level itself out. I don't know. I don't know what feedback you got from folk, whether or not. I mean, it's fun. Well, see, it takes I mean, the competitive edge off. It does. That's the thing. And I, I did think it was important to try everything out of the book because um, I hadn't be done i mean obviously um you, out of the, you could put, you could be rolling randomly for realmscape features which is what's going to be happening at egon uh so that could be completely mental <laughs> yeah but, uh yeah i think um and also we gave, i gave people notice about it was in the pack what the realms were going to be in the realmscape features because just to give people plenty of time to get their heads around it because i know some people hadn't um hadn't had a chance to i played a game last week and i hadn't played in the realms before because i didn't play it howling so um so I've got to get my head around it now. So, but uh, it seemed to go okay. Um, I think Gears of the Boiling Blood was definitely one. I don't think people would be desperate to play again. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, the, it's it is it's only on a six, I suppose. Um, it did it 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 did make a big difference, as I say. I think the second one, the speed of light one as well. Um, that was another critical one for mine, where um, because it was star strike, it got rolled at just the right time, so somebody could plonk a unit onto an objective but i mean really i knew that or i should have known that that was there was a chance for it so you should really be playing in in worst case scenarios and i wasn't i was yeah. playing as though it wasn't going to happen so I you live and learn I think, I think your attitude of these depends on what kind of game you are and what kind of experience you're looking for at a tournament whether you want the kind of um a very hard edge competitive tournament you know played in the right spirit obviously but it's all down to player skill is the kind of biggest factor whereas bringing in elements like this can bring a bit of the random in which is fun in a, a lot of ways and sometimes if you're going with that spirit then um you can really enjoy that but if you're looking for other people it might just be a bit of a downer yeah well i think time will tell won't it as we say I mean, so from your point of view if you're playing lee with Do- daughter's first game what you really don't want is the romsky feature working against you as well <laughs> no and and the first turn was going excellent for me and um 
I'll probably touch on it as well, but um, I, I had plans for how he's going to deploy. So um, Lee, um, he, he misdeployed um, and he, he said that to me himself and he'd, he'd basically stretched himself too wide and he gave me the chance to alpha. So I uh, moved up Manfred. Um, I brought on four harbingers from ambush and I wiped out a unit of 30 witches um, straight away and I got myself to the side of the board where I was ready to come sweeping in turn two and he was pretty defensive and he was fearful and he was going to go big with Marathi and come at me um, and I think I'd have done all right and things were going well um, but then the six popped um, and he did the full mortal wounds on um, on Manfred, hit the harbingers um, and then uh, he decided to stay small for a turn, so he stuck all the magic into Manfred and just yeah. killed him basically. And it, it did. I th- and he he said to me, he said, "Well, if I hadn't got that six, I'd have played the game totally different." And it did change it. I mean, granted, again, you, you live and learn. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was key for me. But other people I spoke to, like I spoke to Andy, and he said it didn't really affect him. So he he. He lived through it, and yeah, it's... he had he had bigger problems in that game, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had um, he had uh, Mister Shaw uh, Charge. <laughs> so no, it was good. It was a uh, it was a good event anyway, and I enjoyed. I wasn't feeling too good, um, so I I was a bit off form. But I uh, I'd I'd uh, travelled overnight, and yeah, I lacked sleep, and I don't think my chat was too good. I think during the games I was all right with folk and I was making a big effort, but between games I found myself just slumped in a corner. <laughs> so I, I didn't I didn't manage to catch up with people as much as I would have liked. <laughs> so did everything go to plan? The soft scores, uh, how did that go? I think we were the first tournament in Scotland to uh, ask that people bring armies that are coherent. Um, the standard up till now has been uh, the three coloured, three colours based. Um, and I think you do see quite people cruising at that level uh, and not forcing themselves to do any more. Um, uh, that, whether that's fair or not, I'm not sure. But um, it's important to me, I wanted to see the hobby level being pushed and seeing nicer armies on the table. Uh, so I was trying to incentivize that. Um, I, some people weren't quite ready for that, I think it's fair to say, um, uh, which is unfortunate. And some people kind of misunderstood which again is unfortunate, but they could have clarified that with me before the event. But um, it went okay, I think. Um, I think there was more people than I would like to have seen. There's more. I had to dock more people than I would like to. And like, obviously, you don't like. It's not something you want to be doing. You don't like to be taking points away from people. Um, uh, but that was that was in the pack, and I was like, well, let's, this is what's in the pack, so let's go for it. Um, and I, I'm not. Sure, I think. I think Scott's following up the same standard with the Masters, I believe. Um, yeah, but... I think so. I've I've seen the, and I think that's it. It's it's set a standard, and, and I think yeah. I I I'd, I'd done it in in Northern Invasion, and maybe I hadn't hundred percent been rigorous. Um, I don't know. Maybe certain things get through, and I think that well, it sets the bar, and it's and so long as we're all consistent, and yeah. and I'll certainly be following things up on that as well. So, yeah. if we don't want it there, why put? Why would we put it in the pack? I exactly. Suppose. Well, that's. Well, I mean, obviously, I, I felt like some someone's got to do it, I guess, and and enforcing it isn't very pleasant, especially when some people, you know, it's bad news to some people. Um, 
some people weren't surprised. Um, I don't know how if you've touched on this yet, but uh, Craig Graham would have won the event had he finished oh, right, his army. Okay. Uh, he was, but his bases weren't finished. Um, but he knew that he he was he had no problem with that. He just didn't. Have to, I think he stayed up till four in the morning trying to finish it. Didn't get quite done. But had he got his painting score, he would have won the event. Um, uh, and what was what was Craig running out of interest? Uh, Nagash. Ah, Nagash. right. Okay. So I mean, the painting we were. It wasn't a particularly rigorous uh, soft score. It was just said we wanted armies have to be painted to a good ta- to reasonable tabletop standard. All parts of the model have to be appropriately painted. Uh, you can't just get away with undercoat and washed. Um, uh, so it's not, and it, just the army had to be coherent. So I don't think it's a particularly strenuous ask. Um, no, I, I, I think it was. It wasn't over the top, and it's not like you were asking for display boards and no, and whatnot. No. It was. Uh, it was. It was pretty basic. So and there, was no, there, was no, there was no. There was no. There was no. There was no other bonus points for any other painting scores for painting nominations and that. It was just. It was a, a twenty points. You either got either ten or twenty points. I can't remember exactly, but you either got the points. Or you didn't get the points. There was no in between. Yeah. Um, uh, and that was it for soft scores. The other soft scores were just list submissions. And voting yeah. for your voting for your, your best sports. There was no sports scores weren't involved in the in the scoring, and we went for um, strength of schedules the first tiebreaker. Um, yeah, and, and and that again makes a makes a difference as well. And I think that's a good thing to see coming through. And and um, yeah, it's, it it obviously made a difference with um, with Nathan and uh, Andy. Yeah. But you know, Nathan. I, th- I don't think Nathan has a problem with that, and I think Nathan's a big, no. very supportive of his strength of schedule. So I don't think he was upset to lose to that stand. Apart from anything else, it's in the pack, so you can't. Um... Yeah, and and again, that's uh, it's understandable, and and it's something that I I'd done on my last one as well, and and I think it's a good first decider, and and uh, yeah, totally agree. I think it 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 makes people play play the missions rather than try and eradicate someone. Yeah. Uh, as far as everything else is concerned, it was a uh, it was a one day tournament, as I said earlier, and, and I think it's important to have one day tournaments in the scene. I think it's good for variety. It's good for bringing new players in as well. I think it's kind of a lower bar than a two day tournament to introduce people to. Um, I tried to make it a little bit special by uh, by getting the prize, getting some really nice prizes from which Gary Marshall at uh, Dark Fantastic Mill did a great job of designing some bespoke trophies for us which i just loved it was a big wolf hammer which andy walked away with and some daggers and a huge horn with best painted um yeah they were amazing prizes yeah it just gives a little bit of extra flavor to the event i think um uh, so that was that was important to me try and have a if you can have a one day event try and make a big of a, a bigger noise about it as possible just so people get excited so um so I char- we, the event charged a little bit more than a normal one day might have done just because it, I think it was good to spend more money on the prizes to make it more of an event. And that certainly didn't put off the numbers. It was, as I say, we were up to 40-odd players at one point. And comparatively, I mean, we're still we're still well less than that you'd pay for a, a similar scale of event um, in the South. That's um, true. I mean, if you if you look at England, and you're not likely to get your lunch and things for that price. So I still think it's really good value for money. Maybe we should send a memo to Steve to charge more. <laughs> well, no, I mean I won't do that. <laughs> no, no, no. I think I think we're we're quite good. I think a lot of us uh, spend in the shop as well. So I think Steve's okay. It's good having the shop there, and um, yeah. I think he does all right out of that and, and the bar when he has the ale on. Um, oh, I know that I go and uh, do some uh, 
uh, retail therapy in in the shop every time something goes wrong i go and buy something so <laughs> well the key question is will the bar be open for the masters <laughs> i don't know lose game know. one lose game one um, that's it let's just drink my way through the rest of this <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't think I'm there. <laughs> I'm there just for the crack, anyway. I don't think. Uh, I think I'll I'll have a couple of pints, uh, no doubt. <laughs> so, is there anything that you'd do different next time, or or are you are you happy with how everything went? Uh, let's. The. I think the biggest thing was just maybe just flagging, making a bigger noise about the painting expectations, and making sure people were aware of that. And just because it was a bit of a shock to me that some people hadn't. Obviously, people don't read the pack. We know that, but <laughs> um, it was a shock to some people. And I was like, and because there's next people would kind of. We had one player who had his units coherent, but very different from each other. So the army wasn't coherent, and he was his. That was his expectation, which obviously, that's not the tournament standard. That's not. It hadn't occurred to me, for example. That's how someone might inter- interpret it, but yeah. he had misinterpreted it that way. Um, I don't. I don't think it was particularly unclear in the pack for that for that for the point of view. But again, maybe getting ahead of that a little bit might have helped. Um, but other than that, I think it went off pretty smoothly. I mean, obviously, uh, everything seemed to go pretty well from my from my point of view. Um, you'll know better than I. Well, no, I mean, I, I never heard anything anything uh, bad from our end. We all the the games I took part in and the people who I've spoken to had a really good time the venue's amazing as normal the food's great the prizes were exceptional um it was a good atmosphere yeah it was um, a cracking atmosphere and it was just really just really seemed like a really good bunch there yeah no it was good um are, are there any shout outs for certain winners helpers anything like that that you want to give just in case uh anybody needs uh well i mean it was uh, it was pretty ridiculous that andy walked back after you're at the scene to win that event <laughs> as, I, as i said when i was giving his prize everyone else should be thoroughly ashamed of themselves because <laughs> he'd had yeah. one practice i mean you, i think you spoke to him already but uh, he had one practice game and that was with me um so obviously that's that speaks to my coaching skills and uh that's and, it uh, that's what I'm getting credit for. That you <laughs> should rent yourself out there, Mike, and uh, start doing some sort of like, uh, yeah, some some specific bespoke coaching packages for people. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, but that was pretty amusing, and it was it was lovely to see. Uh, but uh, obviously, Michael Hands walked off with best painted again. Someone needs to um, uh, challenge him going forward. Hopefully, uh, my angels might might have a shout for Tempest, but. Uh, that would be a, so that's my ambition anyway. But you have no idea how people will feel about your army what's on the table. Oh, um, yeah, they look good. Uh, they look really. I noticed you had some brutes on uh, on for sale on the WhatsApp. There, are you are you still sticking with the the jaws? Or are you just yeah, I'm still sticking with them. I just, I just don't have any immediate plans for them. I was just trying to raise a bit of money for um for new units that I bought. <laughs> I used to, uh, <laughs> I've had a bit of a nightmare. I ordered some stuff for Eagle, but it's not arrived yet. And I'm like, ah, so it looks oh, like this is not going to be quite what I hoped it to be. Um, but never, never mind, never mind. Um, have but, you got, what What monster have you got lined up for Eagle? Uh, I'm just borrowing one off Sean. Oh, yeah. uh, I, can't, I can't really be bothered with the monster thing. I think it's a nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> like, again, if, you play, if you're playing at home, cracking, it's not a tournament. It shouldn't be a tournament. I know Kev's doing it for the old world, but it just shouldn't be a tournament. 
Well, if you do, you make a thing it, of it. it, it, it even GW just ran the heat final, the grand final, and they 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 had beasts and they did not use monsters because even they know it's not appropriate. But anyway, <laughs> well, there you go. A, a, debate, a debate for another day. The other thing, well, you've just said there you're taking the jaws to Tempest. I was wondering whether or not you were still going to be going with that or if you were going to be filthing things up in your Six Nations prep. But well, the Iron Jaws is the thing, is it? That's the thing. I mean, uh, I've kind of taken the view with Scott uh, and I've chatted to other guys who've qualified so far that there's just no point having a serious think about armies until the FAQ comes out in January um, because what what is good right now might not be good in after the FAQ comes out. You have no idea what the meta is going to look like and what people's armies going to look like, and so I don't think there's much point getting too fussed about it until then. Um, yeah. And I don't want to, I put that I put that much work into the Iron Jaws. I know they're not the most competitive thing, but I want to get them on the table for a tournament. So Tempest is where it's going to happen, and then after that, we'll see see how it goes. Oh, that's good. So you you said you've got uh, a gum next week. Are you are you taking the stormcast to that one as well? Yeah, taking the stormcast to that one. Yeah, uh, a little bit different from. Um, I've tried to embrace the realms a bit, so uh, dropped the star drake for for now and brought in a couple of wizards, one on a dragon, uh, just for giggles. Uh, so it's a, a kind of it's a similar kind of idea of a mixed list, but I'm trying to take advantage of the kind of the magic side of it a bit more. So uh, yeah, we'll see how it gets on. I, I, I think it may well struggle against the kind of death stuff and daughters, but um, we'll see. Daughters are definitely a thing at the moment. They're uh, they're pretty pretty tough at the moment. Um, we'll see see what happens with them. Um, I, I think magic's a, a key one, as you say in there. I've been messing about with my lists, um, looking to the masters. Hopefully, if I uh, if I still qualify there, and I was looking at, um, I had a list pretty much set out. I think one of the key key messages i think that that are out there at the moment is that if you've not got a wizard um and we're playing in the realms with full realm spells and things then you're putting yourself at a disadvantage so i think taking the uh the mage on the dragon's probably a good move um just to especially if they're going all realms totally random because some of those spells are game changing absolutely uh, yeah uh no it's cool it's um uh, I was tossing up between the Archmage on Dragon and the um, Lord Arcanum on uh, Torlon. I've gone for the Archmage on Dragon for now, um, just because it's number one. It's a dragon, and it's got two. It's got two unbinds plus one, which yeah. I think is, is quite big. Um, and the dragon uh, kicks out a lot of damage in theory. Depends if if you roll well. Um, I played it. I, I played a practice game against Mark Roberts the other day, and the dragon just beasted thirty plague bearers. <laughs> I was quite surprised. Yeah. I was like, "Whoa, okay." <laughs> yeah. Um, the Torlon's got the up, the flip side. It's it can tank a bit like the Stardrake can, um, which certainly the the dragon can't. But, um, we'll see. Were you not um, tempted by a phoenix with a, a a mage on foot, like the the frosty, and then having a mage on foot as well? No, not not at the moment. No. Um, no. Um, just I, no. <laughs> No, fair enough. No, I'm, no. I'm not very. I'm I'm not very good at running towards the filth. Um, that's one of the reasons why I've not really touched evocators yet for a stormcast. I like to kind of do some. I don't take bad choices, so that's not what I'm doing. It's just I, I think Phoenix are very much um top of the pile in terms of underpointed units, um yeah. right up there. And 
that, that just immediately puts me off. But um, I'm sure I, I'm sure there's some stuff I use that uh, I could be accused of being hypocritical about. So uh, I'm by no means an angel. No, I'm just asking because obviously I was well, I was just listening to the um, the just play um, uh, tiered sort of like review of the different um, factions and whatnot, and they were they were saying a very similar thing that the frost is a probably the most undercosted unit, and and I think they have a, a a good point. It's a it's very strong for what it is, and and uh, most most you armies could ally one in and make good use of it. So yeah, just absolutely. interested whether you'd considered it. Uh, not seriously. I mean, it's, I mean, maybe for the masters. <laughs> well, um, it's, it's a weird one as well. But I, I painted one an eighth, so I don't feel I, that almost makes me not want to do it because I'm like, oh, I've already painted one before. I'm not in a desperate rush to do one again, I guess. But um, oh, we'll see. Yeah. All things, all, can, all things can change. We'll see how we'll have... see how this weekend goes. I don't know if the list goes terrible. I might be, <laughs> everything might might be up in the air for the masters. So. Ah, uh, just take fun stuff for the masters. I remember uh, back in the uh, back in the olden days of uh, the UK masters, people who qualified would just take really sort of like left field and and fun build lists and um, see how well they could do with them. And I think that's a good thing to do. I think we should I... all just take something. I was I was really keen on taking a triple Mortark list. I've been uh, trying to do it for years. I love I love the sentiment of that, but you know <laughs> the filth monk is not seen. That's just not I just think that'll lead yeah. to disappointment and bitterness. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't think I'll be bringing the triple Mortarks. So it, it saddens me, but no, I don't think they're gonna make it. Get them, get them out for Tempest. Uh no, I'm 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 uh, parking death next year. Are you? So yeah, I'm uh I'm I'm bringing something new to Tempest. Oh, what's so. it going to be? Are you, are you are you willing to talk about it? Uh, not just yet, no. <laughs> I'm not hundred percent committed. I've got two things, um, and I'm I'm still I have inner turmoil. Uh, I think I know what I'm going to do, um, but we'll see. We'll see. Well, you know, no one's listening. I can counsel you um, <laughs> about your choices. It might be so. Let's let's hear it. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'll I'll see. I'll I'll maybe have a chat with you. Uh, I'll have a chat with you at the Masters about it. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> about yeah. The different ones. I've got quite a lot of painting to do for the Masters because I've I am taking something uh, pretty crazy. I think. So thank you very much for uh, for joining us, Mike, and for another great event. Again, congratulations on uh, next year's placing, and we hope to uh, to to see Scotland uh, make its way back up to. To challenge for the uh, the big one. Yeah, I'm, I'm really I'm I'm really delighted that we've we, that we've already won next year. I think that's really great. I think it just shows <laughs> what a strong team we've got. And uh, um, yeah, I can't I can't wait for us to be collecting the trophy. <laughs> All right, good stuff. Thanks again. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Thank you for having me. Cheers. See you soon. Bye bye. Bye man. <laughs> <laughs>
Skin it's 